Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello and welcome to another edition of Turned Out of Punk. I'm your host, Damien Abraham, and once again, I'm bringing you a conversation with someone who grew up listening to punk, may or may not still be involved in punk, but had their life changed by the genre in a major way. And today on the show, one of my best buds, a former bandmate of mine, I guess we're still kind of currently in a band together, but we haven't played in a long, long time, but someone who is luckily in a lot more successful bands than our band together, George Pettit of the band Dead Tired and of the band Alexis on Fire. And of the band Bergenfield 4, of course. You know, you might recognize the theme from Footnotes as a Bergenfield 4 song. But if you don't, that's fine too. But George and I will be talking about a lot of stuff, not all Bergenfield 4. Coming up in one second. But first, if you want to send me an email, there's an email address, turnoutapunkpodcast at gmail.com. There's a Facebook page, turn out a punk, Facebook slash turnoutapunk, a Tumblr page. All that good stuff. You can find us on Instagram at Turned Out of Punk. You can find us uh, or find me on Twitter and Instagram at Left for Damien. And there's a show producer who's my brother, Tristan Abraham. He will respond to you and get the messages to me. And, you know, we can communicate that way. Or, you know, uh, you can just hit me up on, on that social media stuff directly. And that's it. If you want to support the show, the best way to support the show is by telling all your friends. If you use a podcast platform that lets you subscribe or rate a podcast, please give us a, a high rating, like, you know, five stars. Speaking of support, the fine folks at Vans and House of Vans came on board this podcast a couple of years ago now and said, we just want you to keep doing what you're doing. We just don't want you to have to lose money doing it anymore. And I said, that is amazing. So thank you so much to them for sponsoring this thing. House of Vans is coming back this summer. There's going to be lots of free events popping up all over the place. And yeah, no, I, once again, I cannot thank Vans enough for believing this podcast. You know, just saying, do what you do and we'll support you. And that's, that's awesome. Thank you so much to them. Speaking of thank you, thank you to everyone that's been checking out stuff about the wrestlers. We're going to have more news on that dropping in the immediate future. In the meantime, keep checking out Dark Side of the Ring and keep checking back for info about the wrestlers. There's, oh my gosh, you've heard about it. Yeah, I've talked about it for years. You know. You know how excited I am about this TV show. And soon you will be able to see it on Viceland. But more info on that soon. And let's get on to today's episode. Today on the show, it's my good buddy, George Pettit, back for a part two. George, part one, it's one of the first episodes of this podcast that was done way, way back when. I think you got to look it up. Go, go to Audio Boom. I think it's episode five, maybe. It's in the first ten. George is someone that I love deeply, someone I respect so much. I, I really respect George and what he's been able to do, not only in his music career, but just in his, his home career. He's a great parent as well. And yeah, it's just a... A good friend of mine. So 
the opportunity to have him on the show was just something that you know we talked about doing for a long time, and finally it just happened. Uh, he came over to the house. We got to sit down, got to chat, and here are the results. It's a long, long conversation between two buds. A lot more of a conversation than the part ones. The part twos I kind of look at as being. You know, we got all that groundwork out of the way in part one. Part two is just where we're fleshing it out a little bit, you know, just adding some details and, you know, and hanging out, hanging out. I love this episode. It's really, I think, a good kind of a peek into the world of just people and bands hanging out together and just shooting the shit. So I'm not going to ramble on anymore. You got a whole episode of rambling on to listen to, but I just want to leave it at that. Uh, thanks again to George. Alex on Fire is back. They've got a bunch of shows coming up this summer. They got some new music out there, and it's great to see George in such an amazing place. And you'll hear it right here. You're going to hear a guy who's finally at peace with his multiple careers. We'll get into that in a second. That's it. Uh, if there, I don't think there's any notes for this episode. If there are any notes, I apologize for not putting out the notes right there. A lot of shout-outs to a lot of friends. We talk a lot about a lot of buddies on this episode, so shout-out to all those buddies as well. And that's it. Sit back. Relax and enjoy George Pettit on Turn Out a Punk again. George, back for a part two. It's been a while, Damien. I, I think I was in the, what, like the first ten episodes yeah. or something? You were one of the first people I wanted to interview for this podcast. You were like one of the very first people. Well, everybody who's just been hanging for so many years, just like... Dude, you're one of the oh most God. listened to episodes. Well, I don't know about that. I, I want to see 100%. the analytics on that one. I will bring but... up the analytics after we get off <laughs> air, and I will show you that you are still one of the more popular episodes on this podcast. Either way, yeah, it's been a long time and whatever, you know. Been a long time. And actually, it's funny because the day we did that podcast, do you remember what you told me on when you drove me home that day? I don't remember. I'm getting, we're getting Lex on fire back together. We're thinking about getting Lex on fire back together. Oh, shit. It was that day. You guys, I don't think you even had the first practice. I think the conversation had just been had. Yeah, well, we had, I, there was a, there was a few different, like, cold starts to Alexis on fire where like we were about to kind of come back mm. and then we we decided not to I mean like I don't want to say like people were banging down our door to come back or whatever but offers were coming down the pipe and, and opportunities to play were happening and we were just like I don't I don't think we're gonna this was like the one before riot fest yeah, so maybe that would have been when Dallas, because Dallas was yeah. headlining Riot Fest, and then in Toronto, and he had called us all and was like, hey, I want to, uh, I think I'd like to have uh, you guys come out for my encore, and we'll do three Alexa songs. And at the time, Steel was like in the southernmost tip of South America or something. This was like after that. that then. Yeah. yeah so the, he was somewhere where we were going to have, where it was a problem extracting steel from wherever <laughs> you're he get was. a helicopter. Yeah. We had to take a series of like tuk-tuk rides to like a helicopter that would take him to an airport or something like that. And, uh, yeah, we were, we were, that was, that was kind of where we were. And we decided not to just because I thought it was, um, I think I I think after we broke up there was like a now article where like they talked to a bunch of people and they were dis discussing the legacy of the band and all this shit and I was and I think I was just enamored with that it made me feel like we went away really well and then when and I thought us playing again would completely undo that and in some ways it it did 
but at the same time, like it's better now. We only get it's one been like way right. better. And then like I, I honestly like this is the best era of the band, hands down, because it's so fun. It's there's no pressure. It's just this thing that we're all carrying around in our back pocket, and we can just kind of be involved in it. And I don't know. Yeah, there's no real. I don't know. Yeah, it's not like we're touring. To, we're not chained to touring ten months out of the year. We don't. We can put out a record. We can not put out a record. We can kind of like you know. We can put out singles from here on out if we want to. Yep. And just do whatever the fuck we feel like. I, I got a good treatment for the first next video. Oh yeah, it's like you guys are all doing your separate jobs. It's like it's is like a treatment <laughs> to a video, you know. It's like the boiled frogs video type thing, but you guys are legitimately all doing completely. You guys scattered like mercury. Like a lot of times when bands break up, you know, like uh, all of them wind up in another band together except for one member, like with the yeah. Kill yeah. or like yeah. you know that. Yeah, album. but like you guys scattered as far as the winds could take you, right? Like. You like uh, one one member literally took off to go around the world. Yeah. One yeah. one member yourself is a firefighter. Yeah. One member just went completely into becoming a a, a rock star. Yeah, yeah. You know, you like know? like yeah, Dallas definitely. Yeah, I mean, like he 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 had to. We all had to kind of go down our own separate paths yeah. and figure out what we were gonna do after Alexis and. I mean, I was the only. I was making decisions after Alexis, you know, um, very much so with being a, a young father in mind. I think yeah. was it like like so. There was that that initial like oh well like the obvious thing that I could do is, I could you know, find some sort of job in the music industry or attempt to try and you know revamp my some sort of television career or something or like try to manage bands or something like that. And, and when I started to really do the brass tacks on it, I was like, I was like, how can I, can I do those things? And is the learning curve going to be as big to do those things as it is for me to do just about anything? And that was kind of like where I was thinking, yeah. Uh, was that I can do anything I want now. I've got time. I've got a bit of money from Alexis that can float me for a couple of years if I want to go back to school. And really, I can go in any direction I want. And I thought that if I took some sort of like job in the music industry or if I wanted to do that or if I wanted to start another band, I was potentially just going to make myself hate music. Yeah. And so I kept that. I kept music where it was as something that I loved and it was like a... a, a a fun sort of thing, but then I also needed to do something completely different, and yeah. that and that was, that was that's kind of how it all came to be. I, I uh, started taking courses. I went back to school. Meg Meg was my wife was uh, she went she had a huge career change at the time too. So it was like this weird crazy time in our lives where, you know, uh, and you had a kid. We had the kid on top of it, right? <laughs> so like we just got this new kid, and we're like, oh my god, Megan was. Um, she was planning on going, uh, she was going to go back to school for massage therapy and she wanted to do that. It was like this 18 month program. She'd be commuting to Toronto all the time. So for that 18 months, I stayed at home with Owen and I did my, I did my, uh, you know, my thing, like my dad thing. And it was a great time because I got to spend all this time with Owen yeah. and, uh, kind of learn how to be a dad. And then... <laughs> And then I went to, and then we like, you know, she finished her school, 
we, you know, we, we, she tagged me in. I went to Alberta for, th for three months to get my certifications and all the th things that I needed to start applying. Um, and I did that and, and then came back and then it was about three and a half years of banging my head against the wall and thinking that it might not happen. And then, and then eventually, you know, I got, I got hired and I've been a firefighter for the last four years. It's crazy how long it takes you. Cause I knew, I remember that period you were on edge about getting in to like, it, 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 how long it takes you after you finished like the schooling, the training to get a job in the fire services. Like, it's yeah. It's so funny. Cause there's so many, like, there's so many, I think it's like a common band thing where it's like, you know, oh, if when my band doesn't, uh, doesn't pan out, I'll just become a firefighter or a cop or something like that. Like the emergency services are some like fallback for band guys, but it's the reality the is that it is. The cop was a lot more divisive. Like I think. Yeah, the, the it is. Absolutely like, now. Absolutely like, now. Yeah. I think no, it's a little point, more loaded than, but whatever. You it's know? like you're, when you do that, you're like, you know, and I'm not saying, you know, criticizing anyone, like, especially as a parent now, I think. You know, it's very hard to criticize people's life decisions when it's like, I got to get a job to support my family. Yeah. You know, it's very hard. But I think, like, fire services is definitely the one that's more in keeping with the punk thing. Like, I remember that was the thing about the guy from the Dropkick Murphys. Yeah, He of quit course, to become right? a firefighter. Yeah, and it's it's funny because, like, other people from music that I know, like, my buddy Aaron Wolf, he played in the end, like, the local, uh, like, tech metal yeah. band or whatever. He's now a Toronto firefighter. Mm -hmm. And, like, we were we were going out to the same... Uh, we were going out to the same like courses together and, and Ton like that. too. Yeah, yeah. Ton, Ton's uh, in prevention. Services, right? Yeah, she was in prevention. We've actually still I still talk with Ton. Yeah, yeah she's uh, like yeah. still friends with Lauren. I still see her. Still a good homie. Used to tape trade with Mike Halichuk. Oh yeah, yeah. Could you imagine like all these people that have these relationships with Mike? Like in the pre time, were like social relationships with them. I think just seems so alien to people that know him in the current day. <laughs> like Mike <laughs> as a tape trader. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Mike is a bit of a, Mike's a bit of an enigma. I loved, I and like, I don't know, I don't want to just like, I don't want to punish you about your own podcast, but it was so nice listening. I, I listened to the episode with you and Mike, and I've always assumed that you two were these like, diametrically opposed characters where like Mike was just preventing you from turning fucked up into like a youth crew wrestling themed hardcore band and you were preventing Mike from turning fucked up into like this ambient agrarian communist band or something like that and like and I always assume that and just hearing you two talk and I was like oh no they're just old fr friends who grew up in punk music yeah. it was really really uh it was really nice uh it was a nice listen Mike is Mike <laughs> is different with people in the band than he is with everyone else and I think like you know you've been you know you guys grew up together like we actually grew up in the same way I think I've known Mike Probably as long as you guys knew each other, just took us longer to be in a band together. But you guys have fucking played in a band since you were like teenagers. Teenagers, and like I was young when the band started. Like I was probably, I was probably nineteen. But nineteen when the band started, I thought I was, you guys were younger. Eighteen and I, well, Steel was fifteen or something. Yeah, like he right, was yeah. really young. Yeah. And Jesse, our first drummer, was also very young, and so was Wade. Wade was, young, and yeah. like, but Wade was always like. I like how it was young, like these people got closer to us in age, but just as you get older, the dis differences just yeah. seem so much more Oh, yeah, you. totally. But Wade was like, Wade had like, for a young guy, he had all the ingenuity, right? Like yeah. he was the one, he was promoting shows, and like, I just remember he was so like, he'd just make things happen. Like 
we'd be going out to go see a show. He'd be like, hey, we've got, we're like, I'm promoting a show over here. So he'd just like whip up a quick flyer. He'd print off a bunch of them and then we'd just like cut them up and go. And like, he was just, he was that kid at a very young age. He was doing all that. Like you he need was, one in the band. And you need that. Yeah. yeah. I remember, yeah, he was the one who was like talking about, you know, he'd, he'd make sure we got paid and things like that. I mean, eventually Dallas, like, I mean, like Dallas was also that as well, but. But I just, I remember he was very, he had a lot of ingenuity at that at that age. Well, yeah, he's a lot younger than Dallas is, too. And Dallas was also, like, in, like, you know, not like a, a like a professional band, but, like, in a band that was tr- going for it, like, a, prior to Alexis, too. Like, not I going so. for it, going yeah. for it, but, like, a real band, I mean, as opposed to, like... Yeah, a band with, like, opportunities beyond, like, you know, yeah, opening for, at, a, like, a, a show with 80 kids. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, they, like... Dallas's first band could have easily been in the right place at the right time and opened up for a, a big show and yeah. then gotten yeah. com- some sort of commercial. Success. Yeah, they could have been like that band that like was they they were like going for in a way, but they were like older, right, and more seasoned. So he was like a little more seasoned, whereas Wade was like, as you're saying, like a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'd love the we'd love the Misfits. We were both like St. Catherine's scene at that time was. You know, uh, there were lots and lots of venues. There yeah. really were a ton of places to play, and they were all like eclectic. There were like there were certain bars you could play in, but then there was like there was a Chinese food restaurant we could play in, or Niagara Artist Community Art Space. All of these places were there were shows going on constantly. It had a really like bustling scene, and there it supported several record stores. Tantrum Records was like this really um, it was like a local hub, and who worked at Tantrum Records. But your co-host, Chris the, O'Toole, uh, yeah, Chris O'Toole, along with these two like amazing matriarchs of the scene, Jen and Irene, that were like these like older kind of amazing uh, record store owners that would like they were your gateway and like they would show you things and like all this stuff, and they were vehemently protective of Mr. Chris O'Toole, whom, uh, you know, that was it. Like, yeah, we would always go in there. Yeah, and that was kind of the thing. That's how we kind of all found each other around these kind of hubs in St. Catharines. It's funny because, like, I was, I went to Niagara Falls in the fall uh, for, like, a weekend, and it's, I don't know, maybe it's just Niagara Falls, but it seems like that area's been hit by kind of, like, a, I don't know, it just feels a little more run down now than it did Yeah. in the, in the early 2000s. I think, I, I feel like Niagara Falls has always been a little run down. Uh, like, aside know, yeah. from, I feel like... It has periods where it gets, like... Yeah, you you kind of get um, there's obviously the huge tourist portion of it mm-hmm. that's kept very clean and whatever. And I don't know. That but even isn't... that's kind of no. That's crummy. what I was going to say. Like, yeah. it's amazing now that that new casino opened up uh, a little bit further. How that's killed the kind of like old tourist area. Yeah. Well, Have that Planet Hollywood that's just abandoned and all like the Hollywood uh, prop cars are there. That's so weird. Well, I go, I want to get like they got the fucking car from like from like DC Cab. Like they've yeah. got like cool mo- movie prop cars there. I want to like see if I can buy them because they're just like rotting in the parking lot of an abandoned Planet Hollywood. Yeah, Niagara Falls. I remember going there back in the day with uh, we had we were friends from we're over from England. Some of our friends like like Paul Jackson who's living here now, and our friend Carl who also lives here now, and they're like, we should go see Niagara Falls, and I was like, oh yeah, of course, I'll take you down there, and we went down there, and they were just like. 
I kind of thought this was going to be like a natural park. And I'm like, well, here's the uh, 60-foot Frankenstein <laughs> holding a cheeseburger. Uh, you know, like, here's the crime museum, you know, like wax museum of... Uh, uh, oh, I just, had a, I just had a thought. I found a box of old pictures the other day, and there was a picture within the rock and roll wax museum of the Sex Pistols. Oh, whoa. And they had, like, these Sex Pistols wax figures that was in Niagara Falls. Is it still there, do you think? I doubt. Do you remember when they went through some museum in Niagara Falls, like one of those touristy things, and they when it got shut down, they found like some like priceless Egyptian artifacts, oh, some probably. like heritage like level artifacts that are like now like you know returned, I believe, to Egypt, hopefully, and like oh, there's probably some like sketchily acquired stuff, like, in, amazing in that Ripley's Believe It or Not <laughs> yeah, museum. Indeed. Like there's probably some really like like they 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 like. You know, at some point, Ripley rolled into, like, some, like, village in yeah. Africa and, like, <laughs> pillaged the place of all its gold. And then now it's just, like, put in... I don't know. That's not, probably like, not the case, but <laughs> who knows? Who knows? But there's definitely, like, in in Niagara Falls, in amongst this stuff... Like, I wonder if those wax figures... Like, they're probably just sitting in storage. Or they've re repurposed them to, like... I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe they melt them down and make other, make like make more current, make Justin Bieber ones. <laughs> Put a different shirt yeah, on the yeah. guy. Let's take Sid Vicious. We're gonna melt him down and pour him into the Justin Bieber mold, <laughs> and like that's what's going on. Down there. I don't even know they melt him down and pour him in. They're like, uh, put a different shirt on now that Sid Vicious <laughs> is, uh, um, what's his name from Thirty Seconds to Mars? <laughs> yeah, they just. Jared Leto. Jared Leto. Jared Leto and Sid Vicious. They just put a different, yeah, put, a, put a fancier jacket there. on him. Done. There he is. He's ready to go. Yeah. There it is. Niagara Falls. That was a commercial for Niagara Falls. That whole thing was just I like, love wanna... it there. I like go with there my family. Some, there is like a trashy sort of uh, appeal to it. I still take my, yeah. I still take going there. The Midway is really fun. Oh, fun. And like, yeah. you know, it's whatever. It's, it's like, <laughs> where else will you pay... $15 for a Burger King combo. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. The uh, best, <laughs> best stuff. I know. I do. I, I love going there. I have a fun time every time. But, <laughs> but it's it's funny because, like, you look at that window that you guys came out of, uh, it was, like, insanely fertile for, like, the number of bands. And bands that would have, like, kind of a lasting impact. Yeah. I, I Like, obviously, you guys and... and Dow City and Color stuff being the biggest, but like there was a lot of stuff coming out of there. There was, and it was, and I think about all the stuff that that was great back then too. That that is just pretty much doomed to obscurity, or you know, is is or is on your tape wall right now. <laughs> yeah. Like it the is six boys tape. Yeah, exactly. Right there, a speaking's demo too. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it, it is. Um, it was really fertile, and there were a lot of people in every city that were willing to do it. And you know, without sounding like some fucking soundbite, uh, there was the di there was that kind of DIY culture of of where there were kid promoters in every city, and you could do a tour of Southern Ontario if you wanted. And that's kind of how we that's what we did at the beginning, anyway. Mm -hmm. Where like we weren't just playing in Toronto and Hamilton; we were playing in. St. Catharines, you know, Thorold, Sarnia, Uxbridge, Barrie, like all these places. And there were, there were local kids that were putting on shows in weird places in like, yeah. in, you know, in halls or any sort of room where they could put a PA. That's, that was kind of the scene. And, the, but that was, it was happening all over and you could kind of do that. 
Oakville, Burlington, like like all those places, you, there was a place to play but, in every one of those cities. But the thing that I find fascinating about it is like, <laughs> and this is obviously predates the scene we're talking about and existed outside of just where we're talking about, but like the, the amount of people in those rooms was minute, right? Like 15 people... 50 people. Oh, yeah. 100 people. 100 people would have been a big deal. But, like... I remember, in my mind's eye, I remember when Alexis started getting big and we played at the Bramley Church in, in Brampton. Uh, they, used, they used to have a room there that they would have anybody... Any, yeah. any, it was, I mean, it was a church. It wasn't a Christian show. There's no way... They would just let people run it. And, uh, and yeah, there was probably 100 people at the show. And it felt like the walls were going to... <laughs> in my mind's eye... It was like the biggest, craziest show at that time, and uh, and it and it was. It felt it felt big, but in yeah, but in reality, it was very. I'm sure it was very small. Yeah, you know. But like yeah, and but like at these shows, there's like you know yourselves, Silverstein, the end. Like there's just so many bands that would go on to actually have like international impact. And oh, tour. even like Moni, Moni, like, yeah, yeah Moni's like, probably the best example of those ones. And uh, you know, but even. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but like it's a all weird the, scene. It's of, like it may, like you know, or even like prior to that, like uh, when uh, Cedric from At the Drive was on the show talking about that Haas tour with President Punk that they did uh, way back when, and like they were on tour with Feist. Yeah, you know, and it's like holy shit! Like there's like a room with probably like there's no way there was more than fifteen people at those shows. Yeah, yeah, twenty five people. I feel like this is like a name drop that uh, that like you know somebody would fucking love to have, but I don't really care that much about. I definitely saw Broken Social Scene play at the Hideaway in St. Catharines to ten people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, back in the day, and like. <laughs> And I, I it, 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 yeah, that was the scene. Like, you know, like you'd go and like, you'd go and see whoever was coming through, but it wasn't big. Like nope. people weren't there. And, uh, um, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. It, it just, a lot of people came out of that though. And I don't know if it's still, it still is like, we've got a, a fairly, I'm out of touch now. Uh, mostly I, I'm the type of out of touch that having a kid brings you yeah. and stuff like that. And having a career brings you, um, I still going out to stuff the odd time. But it still exists. You just gotta. It, I don't know. It's yeah, it still exists. around. It exists, it, and I think it's like. Um, but like what you're describing is like I think doesn't exist as much because I think it's a lot more specialized now. You know, like I think maybe not. Maybe like it, it does exist in the same way. But like it feels like I don't know. By the time stuff begins mixing together sonically, it's on a larger stage. Yeah, like now it feels like you're you're more in your scene. Like it just felt like you had to be, because it wasn't that big. Yeah, right. So like, if it, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's necessarily the same thing because it's not like it was kid run back then. I felt like it was really youthful people that were doing it, and now it's like it's still going on. But I do feel like the scene's a bit older. Like in in um, like we've got a really amazing group of artists in Hamilton that run like the Strange Waves Festival which is just like it happens in Paris, Ontario is on a fairgrounds. It's weird. There's all these crazy art installations. They have like a, t a tunnel that they just like I don't know. I, I can't, it's hard to explain, but they have they'll have like Sun Ra Orchestra will play, but then like, you know, local punk bands will play, but then also like they had like this guy Laragi's like soundscape massage music mm -hmm. sort of stuff. And like it, it's very hippie, very like interesting, and I get that same sort of vibe from that. It's like 
not as attended as it probably could uh, as it as it as it could be, but something amazing is going to come out of that. Mm-hmm. You know, something that's where that's where I feel like the new the new the cusp of the new wave is. It's like it's kind of like new agey, you know, like artsy, like sort of punk scene that I'm too square to <laughs> really be a part of. Yeah, <laughs> I think also we don't have like a. There is a mass culture, but I don't know if it's the mass culture at, is as omnipresent in the way that you're going to have things that need to break through. Oh yeah, like I think it's easier to find, like it's 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 easier to find, you know, maybe not to stumble across it now because of how much information is out there, but it's easier to find an alternative to the mainstream. Like you don't have to wait till like someone hips you to it in a store to kind of explain what all these weird signs that you're seeing around, like someone to explain to you what the sex pistols are, like someone to explain what that wax sculpture is other than just these guys looking menacing. Yeah. I I don't know. I I don't know if it's like, like now I can just go on Spotify. Yeah. I could look up, you know, like if I heard about punk, there's still people that, that don't know about stuff. It's not like, but it's not like that automatically, propels you know these these interesting young bands into stardom or some shit like that no there's still like, too much information i still there. i still feel like you know yeah the 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 greatest stuff from our our generation and 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 from the music that's happening now is largely going to be lost to obscurity oh yeah because there is no real method and maybe it doesn't maybe it doesn't need to but at the same time i'm one of these idealists where i i'd love the idea of destroying you know this culture of mediocrity around like music and art and film and and propping up the best things that of our you know the best things but maybe that's just my own opinion people love mediocrity they really like they prefer it yeah they prefer it (laughs) you know there's a reason yeah you know like there's a reason mcdonald's is the best-selling hamburger in the world yeah but you don't give a you don't give mcdonald's a, a culinary award for excellence. No, I know, but that's like you know. But I'm sure McDonald's gives themselves awards. Like, I'm they sure they. I do. think the thing is like, I'm sure they get like yeah, capitalist awards. Also, At the like, capitalist awards, they're taking all the prizes. Yeah, we live in a world that's like dictated by ego, right? Like the. I mean, when I say world, you live in a world that's you live in two worlds. Now. I live in. I'm living in a lot of worlds. Yeah, man. I'm saying. I'm saying the world. <laughs> but I'm saying like the world when we're talking about music, right? Like we live in a world that's dictated by ego and and and, and films like this too and 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 TV. So you have to feed these egos and that's what the awards are there for right like but ultimately it's just about making money uh, yeah i think so I, I i just i don't know yeah to me I, I mean for the industry being as cynical as possible like award season yeah no like and my whole thing is like award season comes down the pipe and i start to i watch and i'm like oh i hate this and no, like, like it doesn't matter but then like but then i'm also like that shouldn't it, it shouldn't matter but at the same time i do feel like it like i'm like yeah but isn't isn't anyone else like fucking sad that we've just accepted that this is the best that we have to offer and this is what we're going to prop up on our radio and in television and and uh and these are the things that we're gonna you know we're gonna build statues of and put on walks of fame and things like that like i don't know yeah, but like, for me maybe i'm just horribly cynical and idealist but like that's 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 how i that's how i live life and i i just i watch you know i like i went to that show that you guys and mets played yeah and it was amazing. It was such a fun show. But I'm like, if there was any justice in the fucking universe, 
you got that show would have happened at the fucking Air Canada Center. But it couldn't have been you know? that show at the Air Canada Center, right? Yeah, I know, right? I like I, I think know. that's the thing is like it it can't Yeah, like it's 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 stuff stuff has to hit the level it has to hit. And there's a reason stuff is like I, like you know, I I want, so when I got that job at Much Music, I honestly thought like okay, first week I'm going to play the Cro-Mags. And it's just going to blow everyone's fucking mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the music industry is going to change. And it's going to be just, like, in- instantaneous. Like, I honestly thought that by, like, playing stuff on Much Music, a show that no one was watching on a channel no one was watching, yeah. that I was going to change the world at that point. But I realized, like, or just change Much Music fans' tastes. But that is, I was in the era of Headley. <clears throat> I was in the era of um, uh, Mariana's Trench. I was in the era of, like, these types of bands. And so I honestly thought, like, oh, once these kids see this stuff why would they ever want to listen to that stuff yeah but it doesn't work that way there's a reason that stuff is popular and this stuff isn't as popular yeah i guess so i don't know yeah i just i don't know i know i know (laughs) i know what you're saying i know exactly what you're saying it is it's uh i maybe i just maybe i'm just sad because it felt like in the early 2000s there was a brief window where there was the possibility of seeing things and there was still the ability in those worlds in the worlds of much music and the worlds of major radio that you would have the late night programming and those little secret corners of much music you know your new music and your and your the wedge and whatever was playing late night you know that was still a gateway yeah Yeah, there's still and that's been snuffed out that's been stuffed holy yeah that's been snuffed out and maybe it, yeah, but maybe it doesn't maybe it doesn't need to exist anymore though too. Well, yeah, Who cares? Uh, yeah, and also like you look at, I say like it's not even just like media in general. Like I remember, you know, and, and I'm no comment on the people that were making this type of media anyway. But like the stuff that was coming out of the much building in the '80s and the '90s, like fashion television, ooh la la, um, Sex TV, the the original TV show, yeah, like media television, movie television, like all these shows that were just like, like fuck, this is awesome. This is like real journalism, real like real yeah. like television journalism, yeah. cultural television journalism, yeah. which still had a place. The new music, yeah, the new music the new was music. like an amazing show. Like when they critiqued cigarette sponsorship, and they're like, here's here's all the bands that take money from cigarette companies, like. It's a reality that supports bands we like, but it's like at the same time, just so you know, and it's like, wow, that was on TV. Yeah. Like that would not be on TV anymore. But like now it's like you don't, it, like kids were just like, fuck it. You know, and I think much music at a certain point when they really started trying to spoon fed, feed stuff, when like I remember when I worked at much music and Universal would come in and be like, we need you to push these artists. And they'd be like, Yes, sir. Yeah. And then we'd start playing this stuff, and it was like, it was stuff that no one liked. The co- there was there was this weird conservative air that was starting to come around, where all of a sudden, when we first started showing up much music, they'd be like, hey, pick a video, and we'll play it. And we'll be like, oh, yeah, sure, here, we'll pick whatever. Yeah. And then I remember showing up and doing an interview, and they were like, uh, pick a video. And I was like... Uh, you know what I want to hear? I want to hear Hammerless Nail by the New Bomb Turks. I want to hear like some later because I remember seeing video. that video, yep. and uh, and it and also they were on the new music. Yeah, and and it and I was like, oh my god, this thing from punk is on television, and it was blown away 
by it so much. Who was the who was the VJ? She was she did the new music. She had a camera. What was it Larissa? No, what was her no. fucking name? She had blonde. She had blue hair. Yeah, she was like, like punky black. looking yeah, and like she was kind of gothy and name? like. I'm really so I'll try and remember. I'll fix this in the intro. Okay, well either way, uh, I saw her years later at um, or not maybe like later that year at. Darien Lake, she was like covering like something, some concert that was going like a tragically hip concert yeah. or something. And I went up to her and I was just like, you know, some gobsmacked like teenager and was like, New Bomb Turks. I just said that yeah. to her and she was like, Oh, you're in the New Bomb Turks? And I was like, Yeah. I was like, Yeah. But either way, yeah. that was it. It was that's like, like but you you're had right, these that was abilities to, to, to see things and that was gone. Yeah. Like oh so anyway, back to what I was saying, like, yeah, I I'd asked I'd asked, I was like, I want to see Hamless Hamless Nail by the New Bomb Turks. And they were, and they, uh, and they were just like, maybe pick another song just to, just in case we can't find that video. And I was like, okay, I can see where this is going. And I know where, I know where this is going. The, the overlords of much music are starting to rein in just doing anything. Yeah. And it progressively got more and more conservative and then they had some fucking genius came in there and was like, hey, you know what? Uh, every time we play a, a hip-hop video, the metalheads tune out. And every time we play a rock video, the hip-hop kids tune out. So why don't we play a rerun of Conan O'Brien? Uh, because everyone loves Conan O'Brien. And then and that logic swept over the whole station and over all of radio and all of everything. And 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 now it's just like, there's no... It's created the vacuum that probably needs to, have, to happen within mm-hmm. an independent music, mm-hmm. but it just seems like there's none of that. And we'll take the we'll take the the pop version of whatever your whatever is coming from indie, whatever the agreeable version is. Yeah, there's definitely that. TV. But then there's like stuff that's happening just kind of below the surface now, and like it's amazing how big something can be that just says we have no need for that. You know, like, yeah. there's just, like, artists now, like, it, kind of like the way you guys did it, too, where you guys broke through on your own terms. Like, we talked about that last episode. But, like, it's, like, now it's, like, artists are doing, like, 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 uh, like the whole goth, uh, goth boy click stuff that's blowing up. Or, yeah. like, or, like, <coughs> uh, Ghost Main. Or, like, all these artists that are just, like, got millions like uh denzel curry like artists that just have millions and millions and millions of plays for their songs kids are listening to the shit out of their music yeah and it's aggressive <clears throat> sorry it's like a truly aggressive angry music that would not be fucked with by the current you know but at one point this is the stuff that would have been on the mu- new music and this is the stuff that the yeah there would have been some sort of cover and, and now, I don't know I'm probably saying all the same shit that I said like 10 years ago but I remember going to England and the enemy was like a it's like an impulse purchase at the grocery yeah. store yeah like it's it's just like ingrained in the culture that people do that and there was a completely on the flip side of it you had bands that were that were selling out Brixton Academy on the weight of like some self-released you know, EP. Yeah, look, and all look of a sudden, monkeys. Yeah, or or block party back yeah, in the day, or yeah. something like that. That was like the example I was thinking of. But like, but yeah, like there was almost too much exposure exposure too quickly. Yeah, and it was like the other side of it, right? Like and I don't know. It was also like a weird window where you know, like a lot of bands that would not have otherwise been able to have careers, yeah, were able to get careers out of it just because of like the period where we're talking about, like. 
like fucked up, you know, like if it wasn't for, uh, you know, three, no, two really good pitchfork reviews. Uh, I don't think I'd be doing this for a living. Yeah, but Pitchfork didn't make fucked up. Pitchfork didn't make fucked up, but Pitchfork. But yes, made... you're right. Yeah, having those things, and there are things. There are times. There were certain media outlets that we fucked up yeah. early in our career. Alexis on Fire that would have, would have made a big difference in the United States for us yeah. or whatever, and never. And as a result, we had a few hiccups there that that, that never really. Oh, well, I don't know. Like we did all right in the states, but it just it was never as big as anyone yeah. as, as like Canada or the UK or Australia. For yeah, us. we so, were we were only like you know we we lucked out by being in that place at the time. I just had uh, Jake from Health on the show, and he he was talking about that period too because they feel like you know he was saying that they feel like the same thing. Like they were lucky to kind of be in this weird moment where the most read music site in the world was covering very uncommercial un music. Yeah. And was able, like, you know, so and also festival bookers that were like, fuck, I'll put this random-ass band on this crazy festival that I'm doing, and, you know, you'd go back, and there'd be an, a bunch of kids, not a lot of them, but there'd be a few kids that heard you on that festival and made it possible to do that tour. For sure. Um, it was a, yeah, it was a, early 2000s was a really cool time for music. I look at that as being, like, my early 90s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, yeah, the early two thousands. Not to get all, I don't know. Yeah, we're already quite nostalgic on this and kind of, you know, waxing on about the good old days or something like that. But, but yeah, the early two thousands were great, and especially yeah. like, I don't know, there was just such a quality of bands that were playing that you could go and see, and such a variety, and. I don't know, yeah, and uh, fucked up was a big part of that, and uh, obviously, like for me, like I think about that time around, like I found a, I found a, a flyer from a fucked up weekend in like 2007, a while ago, okay. and I was just looking at it, and I was like, holy fuck, <laughs> like a lot, like so much. I mean, like that's, it didn't seem like 2007 doesn't feel like a long time. No, it doesn't ago at all. But it, but it is. It is. It is crushingly long ago. <laughs> it's long it's ago. It's wild to like. It's weird how, and I think this. I think this just happens as you get older, right? Like you know, n uh, n nothing appreciates like time, right? Like you, the older you get, the more, the faster you you lose it. You know, like the faster it just seems to slip through your fingers. Yeah, I think oh, a definitely. lot of it's being a parent, you know, and just trying to oh, hold yeah. on every second. How? Uh, oh God, I can't even imagine having three, man. It's nuts that's wild it's, it's wild <laughs> that's a lot yeah they're like this is why when people come to my house and they look around and they're like wow you got like a lot of shit like still in boxes it's like yep yeah, i'm not gonna just unpack from like five years ago but hey man <laughs> kids yeah. keep showing up i'm lucky i got meg in my life and she's she's like on top of that i feel like when i moved into my first apartment when i left there was still, like, art that I planned on, like, yeah. putting up that was just, like, sitting on the ground, propped against the wall. Look at this bin right here. Oh, yeah. It's full of stuff I want to get framed. Oh, uh, yeah. Diner Junior set list, Iggy Pop set list, or Stooges set lists. That's awesome. You know, all these memories that I want to put up on the wall, but, <sighs> yeah, you know... See, Meg's good at that sort of stuff, but yeah, no, I who has time for that? I don't, yeah, exactly. I don't understand. Like, I'm, I'm in awe. Uh, it's a lot. You, you, you're right. You do have kids, and and uh, well, it just prioritizes your your time a little bit. Yeah, and I also have a 
you know, serious problem with these records where they keep showing up. I don't know why. Like, does it got? We got to frame it like it's a like it's a problem. It's a problem. Is it a problem? It's a. It's. It can be a problem. It can be a problem. I have to change I how know, I. Man. I have to change the path that I. Uh, take to places to avoid the record stores <laughs> you're actively like i feel bad too to then, well yeah because then it's like and then it's like years and you haven't been to a record store and then you feel super guilty about it yeah but then you're like well how do i keep spending fucking money on these records if i'm not going to any of these stores i go through that with hammer city records in hamilton where i yeah. have a guilt of like i'll go in there once in a while and I'll buy something, but then like I won't go in there for a while, and I'll and then I'll almost be scared to go in. Where I'm like, <laughs> yeah, oh, do I, am I just some fucking fair weather? I should be supporting this more or whatever. Like, I don't know. <laughs> it's weird. It's it's a weird situation because like I know exactly what you're saying. Like you feel like you you owe a, a loyalty oath to these record stores, but then at the end of the day, you only have so much space yeah. and so much money and there's so many record stores you owe a loyalty oh God, out yeah. to. Yeah, no. I, I uh yeah, I I definitely like and I don't buy anything online. Like that's been my one thing is I've just been kind of like Yeah. I just I know it would kill me because I could buy everything online. You know what I'll do is I'll order stuff through record stores too. Knowing full well that I could probably figure it out online yeah. and order it to my house or whatever. Is I I'll uh, I've got like a group chat with uh, or not a group chat but like a direct message to like Doctor Disc or like any other things in Hamilton where I can just be like Hey can you uh, can you get this for me <laughs> and then they'll they'll get it and I'll go and I'll buy it and because uh, I just I don't know I prefer that I prefer them to do it than I don't know me to. Yeah, know, like, sleuth it out, yeah. try to find it on eBay or something like that, and yeah. just like that's what they do. They know how to do that. I I also Megan's the, Megan's the eBay sniper though. She's <laughs> always been an eBay, uh, uh, like she's always been very good at it, and like she always gets all these crazy deals. She bought her wedding dress on eBay, mm-hmm. um, and she like when it comes to Christmas time, I know I'm getting something. <laughs> I'm getting <laughs> something, something good. good. She's got me some really <laughs> wild birthday party peel session test pressing like weird like sort of yeah records that i i don't know yeah she's she's good like that no I she didn't. got me that gizmos that muff diving uh single or whatever okay. like for uh oh. christmas one year no yeah lauren's definitely i'm trying to think what my some of my favorite records they, they stop when the kids start showing up the spectacular like oh my god it's zero voice test press type holiday gifts <laughs> stopped yeah in the last few years it's been i've just asked for forgiveness yeah that's a good that's a good one for for, for my record yeah. uh buying just in general just in general I, as in general but i'm only forgiveness for the records as you know uh as as men as yeah, uh yeah. <laughs> i want to forgiveness for all the shitty dudes out there from you because there's a lot of them oh yeah i need a lot of forgiveness right now uh i got a bunch of crazy records in Japan. So the when I was that last there, so I just asked for forgiveness for that trip. Oh yeah. Well, that's it's hard. Japan is. I've come home. I've flown with like such a unmanageable stack of records home from Japan. Yeah. Before. Or like yeah. I don't know. I, had, I remember having a few tours where I'd go out and I'd bring like a record case with me and I'd just fill it. Yeah. And then I'd come home and then I'd have. 
like I'd be home for two weeks. I wouldn't be able to listen to all the records. And then stuff would just fall into my collection that I'd never. And I was like, oh fuck, got to get around to yeah. like getting around to listening to it. You're you're buying so much that yeah, you got to get around to listening. Even, can't, well, especially when you're on tour and you're in that mo that mode of like. I'll get to this when things slow down for a second. I'll get to this when things slow down for a second. And that's like, oh shit, that was 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, no, things don't slow down. Like, I finally filed some records and I'm like, holy fuck, I haven't filed this for like 10 years. This record's been sitting in this box. Oh my God. My record collection has just shuffled. I, I find records by feel about where they might be. Oh, that gives me anxiety shivers. Yeah. That's I want, you, I want to come I over and we'll just organize it by country, like a, you know. Oh, like a fuck, like a like a like rational, do. like a rational human being. Adults do <laughs> organize it by our country. Oh, I'd be embarrassed. I'd be embarrassed for you to look through my record collection. Why? You got fire. I got some. I got some okay stuff, but not next to this. Like this is a. This is the. Yeah, no. Well, I no, hold you to a higher standard. I, I honestly, I honestly I got a lot of reissues and whatever, like things that I, I just, I'm, I'm less of a collector, more of a like person who listens to things. There are, I do have a few. Yeah, good, you got, good and also like the thing is that like, see, especially now, <clears throat> and, and I don't even know if it's now because I'm, I'm, I'm less a, a passionate about these things. But the thing that used to drive me nuts is when you would go to someone's house and you could tell that they were just like, ticking off boxes on like the top 10 hardcore blah blahs to buy yeah and it's like it wasn't organic but i will like i love going through your record no. collection because it was always like it was all different stuff and it was like cool stuff but it was all stuff that like you legitimately liked yeah i i uh i'm not gonna lie there's a lot of hardcore that i don't i don't particularly get a lot of the you know what it is i think that there is Certain music that's... I have music that's time and place music that I loved it so much at a certain time in my life and I cannot explain it now. Yeah. Yeah, I'm... Look out records stuff to, like, me trying to explain that to Megan. Like, I have, like, that weird soft spot for that. I can go back and listen to The Smugglers and Screeching Weasel and, and, and that stuff and in the car and be like, oh, this is so fun. It makes me feel a certain way. But then trying to explain it to my wife, and she's just like, what the fuck are we listening to? This is ridiculous. That's so weird. I would have thought she was a lookout kid. No, not at all. She was more of, like, a, she was, like, an L7 sort of, like, uh, um, I don't know. Manson, she like yeah. Beastie Boys, she liked like that, like like edgier nineties, like, yeah, that alternative sort of stuff. kind of but stuff. But then she got into the she got into like the kind of when I met her, we were like she loved like ISIS and she loved uh, like the band, not the uh, not the not uh, not the not the organization, not the organization, the band, <laughs> no. like you know, like that, like so much of those records. <laughs> That's are, so wild. Like I I knew immediately what you meant. Yeah, but I'm just thinking like out of context. <laughs> Yeah. Why well, don't know ISIS? Don't know. Like she loved ISIS. No, but that was it. Like she loved like stuff like that. So we'd go and see like you know ISIS or Pelican or you know yeah, these big yeah. like stonery kind of like post hardcore post hardcore kind of stuff. And she was into that and like I don't know. But, but like, like she, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, but lookout, not lookout. Not a lookout. No, not not in any way, shape, or form. Did she come from like uh, that side of, of punk music? But either way, what I was getting at, I've gone way off track here. What I was getting at is time and place stuff, and and uh, and with regards to hardcore, even some of the great. There are some really great old hardcore records that I listen to, and I'm just like. Do I like this or am I just like straining to like? Do I like the idea of it? Yeah. And and, and there were a few records that will remain nameless, but like that I that I bought 
because of that, because they were these desirable hardcore records, and they get like almost no time on my turntable. Yeah. And I, I don't have that. I, I do appreciate hardcore a lot, and uh, but I don't think I have the loving dissection that you and Jonah have for it. Like I don't want to like sit there and and uh, and skim the liner notes of every single thing on the planet. You getting a call? I th- one second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Might, I think that might be you. Is it me? Yeah, yeah whatever. Oh, it's right oh, yeah. there. There we go. <laughs> I was gonna be like, where's it coming from? It's probably. Let's see. It's Wade McNeil. Oh, that's, that's so funny. That's kind of funny. I'll talk to him later. There you have it. His ears were burning. He His ears about, were burning. He, he yeah. heard about ingenuity, and he's like, I got to give George a call. Alexis on fire. I got some we're good quite, ideas. We like to call one another. I like calls, too. I do a phone call thing. I get made fun of on this wrestling podcast by these guys, uh, John Pollock and Wei Ting, these friends of mine, mm-hmm. because I call them. Yeah, like it's so weird. It's like who calls? Is our Damien calls? It's like oh yeah, when Damien calls, I'm like motherfuckers. I think you and I. I think you and I share in that we are both. uh, We're probably both bad texters. Yeah, terrible. Like like, I'll get a text message. I'm in the car. I'm like oh I should I should fucking respond to that. And then get more text messages. And then it's like eleven at night and I'm in bed and I'm like oh god I forgot to respond and then I like. You know, like yeah, it's six hours later. Yeah. So yeah, phone is just so a direct six way to get to get through stuff. Yeah. No, exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, you got to call the people, and yeah. it's like there's like some shit like where you're like, you're like looking at it, you're like this is gonna take like twenty five texts back and forth <laughs> to yeah. get this thing kind of figured out. Like <sighs> I can get this over in a two minute phone call. Oh yeah. Oh, we have like uh, the maddening thing now too is Alexis has all like the we've got like the group. Um, emails on every subject of like you know here's the here's the group subject on opener bands yeah and here's the group subject on you know uh, music video or whatever like and just like all these things and it's just like okay and so I'll do like clean up at least those I can kind of ignore at first like if I'm out somewhere I don't have to like immediately go yeah. at them and like wait for them to kind of you know, but uh, I'll do a big like cleanup at the end of the you day. You just ignore like, them completely. That's what I find I do. <laughs> up. You're just leaving it, just letting the. If it it's really desperate, they'll call me. Yeah. If it's really bad, they'll get me on no, the phone. No, I feel bad. I feel bad. Like those guys are um, like Wade in Dallas and Steel and Jordan. Like they're all very prolific. And I, I struggle to keep pace. And not that I don't want to. It's just like they're just the. And I have friends like that. They're just like, they're capable. Like they make a decision to do something and then, and then they're doing it until, and seeing it through. Like, I think like, like Jonah's got to be a guy like that. Wants to play, a, wants to play in a band. He, he, you know, he just does it. He yeah. seems to, seems to so effortlessly make punk music that it's just like. Well, Jonah's, Jonah's a freak, right? Like Jonah's <laughs> like a special case, but I think you're selling yourself pretty short on this oh, one. Oh no. Yeah, no. Well, like, like you've I, got I'm like a whole it. separate career. Yeah. You've got. A, a family, and you've got. I got two bands on the go. I got the, legit yeah. bands on the go. Plus, you've got other bands that you've done in the past. I guess. I guess what I'm saying is that I, I I'm self conscious. I, I don't want it to seem like I'm not. Uh, I'm self conscious in that I, I I don't want to seem like I'm I'm I don't have as much invested in it as those guys. Yeah. Do. Yeah. I want to be, I, and I am, I, I, because I am. At the end of the day, like, man, I'm, I'm absolutely enamored with the band, and I love doing it and all this stuff. Here's, but yeah, here's the thing, George. 
Us lead singers got to remember one thing. <laughs> they can't fucking do it without us. <laughs> they can't. They can't do it without, without us. Without you and me flopping around with our shirts uh-uh. off, man. Uh-uh. Let me tell you something. That's uh-uh. what the, that's Dude, what the I, punters pay to see, I don't see, even take buddy. my shirt off anymore. You don't I mean, even take it? I Let me take... tell you something. I, I got a little bit nervous about taking my shirt off Yeah, but a while you're ago. fucking ripped now. No, I'm not, though. I'm fucking fat. You're not so fat. Like, yeah, I am. No, so like, it's... <laughs> I know. All right. I'm just saying. Not even. I'm not. I used to be this skinny sort of thing. I started to feel uh, a little self-conscious, and then Wade was just like, "You're gonna rip your shirt off, you fucking." You know, Wade's great at that. Wade will like. I'll start to like the creeping dad of the situation. This this like uh, this this cynic that is down on himself will start creeping around, and Wade will roll over and be like. You're the greatest rock icon of Canada. You've just sold this many to, you know, like he'll feel like he's good at pumping me up. I So I, yeah, that's that's kind of it. And then you have to do it. And then you have to go back cuz it's hard. It's hard with us as as parents, we're front men of these bands. We have to go to the place of performance, which is at times you'll be changing, I'm sure you're changing a diaper or you're taking the kids to school and it seems like that is an alien world that I can't even imagine going to. Oh yeah. But then you're doing it. Then but, you're there, and you're at the show, and it's like, oh yeah, no, I'm this too. I I'm really fucking, find, uh, yeah, I can. I'm still, I don't know. I that's being, I feel that's like. where the peaceful place is now for me on stage. Oh yeah, like, absolutely. Can, but uh, my 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 recollection. One time we played with Dead Tired at uh, that Burlington Calling Festival, and we were playing that venue that had some crazy high stage with like a brick thing. And this kid went hurtling towards it, and like techno Viking style, you like caught the kid one handed. <laughs> and I looked, and I'm like, George is fucking ripped. <laughs> and you pulled the kid away from smashing himself from the brick wall, and then like put him back in the pit while still singing. And I was like, whoa, you you are. I'm I'm like I'm like wow. George is definitely gonna blow people's minds when he takes his shirt off. Ah, uh, we'll see. I'm looking a little bit more. I don't know. I'm, I'm I don't know. What? Who gives a fuck what I look like? No, dude. Now Honestly, you gotta be. You gotta like, I don't give a fuck. Dude, you gotta be like Zoli Tegless, like fucking ignite era ripped, like with those muscles that come out the side. No, I'm not doing any of that. Dude, shit. you gotta do I'd it. I have to make some serious fucking life decisions to do that, and I'm not. I'm not that guy. I'm not the gym rat. I, I, I maintain a certain level of physicality that I need for my for my job and for the for for both my jobs. Yep. But other than that, I got no desire to like buy a scale to measure out ground chicken so that I can fucking eat. You know, like that's what it takes. It takes these like it's like these men's life magazine like hacks of uh there's a dead tired song called Punks at the Gym that's about it's about like getting older and having to uh work out again crossfit and, and realizing that you're an outsider in that world and then like you know like just okay here it goes like i feel like i don't know i remember going to the i don't know it's definitely a different world I'm trying to be healthy and all this shit oh no it's definitely a different world but i think like if you if you just cut out because you don't smoke weed which is really the biggest hurdle in maintaining <laughs> i don't know i've got a i've got a i've got a uh, another laundry list of other manageable vices that I, <laughs> yeah. that I, that are, that are, you know, equally as damning. Like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm definitely, uh, I portion control is difficult. I kind of think, times. Uh, okay, I'm going to be your trainer. 
You're gonna be my trainer? Yeah. Right on. Is it just me like it's me doing push ups and like taking like vape gonna, pits? I'm gonna, and I'm gonna shit? be like, yo, dude, I watched this video of this what am wrestler. I, fucking cop? Yeah. <laughs> vape pits. <laughs> I watched this wrestler Christ. and he did this crazy workout, so you're gonna do it. We're gonna get you <laughs> we're gonna get you tear your shirt off in shape for the next Alexis tour. Okay. Alright, yeah, yeah, man. I I can still I'm still doing that. But yeah, you're right. You're I there there I think there's this modest, humble local George. That's that that um. At times, it's like, oh, how am I supposed to go out there and convince ten thousand people that I'm that I'm this thing, and uh, and then I get out there and and the madness kind of pours over you, and you're just like, yes, oh yeah, and then you're impervious. You know what? You you ever um, did you ever read like read like the Serpent and the Rainbow? No, but I think I saw a movie. Okay, well. <laughs> This is going to be a long-winded, fucking ridiculous shit. That this is this is my thought process on it. Um, Wade Davies, ethnobotanist for the uh, for the Harvard Botanical Library, contracted to go to. He's contracted to go to um, uh, Haiti to infiltrate voodoo culture to procure the drugs that they use to make zombies, and. Uh, this is all like yeah. real deal stuff, and the book is amazing. The movie is is like garbage. Yeah, but the book is incredible. And he did this. He did this TED talk, and he's talking about, um, like, like voodoo culture, and like you know, like they'd have this, these intense drum circles, and people would dance at this frenzied pace, and they'd become impervious to like holding burning hot embers, and they do these great feats of strength, and uh, and I remember him talking about that and being like, oh yeah. Like I can, I can relate to the idea of playing in this heightened, frenzied state, and feeling like you're invincible, yeah. and uh, and doing things that yeah you wouldn't do in your waking life kind of yep. thing, right? And I feel like you've probably been, you've been, you've got to have been there, yeah, oh yeah, right? Like, and that might be a real fucking roundabout flouncy way of thinking about this it. One time, but I that's how I feel stage. about it. Yeah, yeah. And you can just like you're just in oh I've dove, dove off the stage and assaulted people and yeah. and thrown pick people up and thrown them and just like you just play in this you're in this other place where I don't know but the way he, the way way Davies described it is that someone was saying like you know like uh, he was talking to someone uh, in in Haiti and they were like yeah you know you know Christians that go to church to to speak with God we dance to the beat of the drum and we become God and I was just like. I don't know if that might be a bit much, but I can kind of see where you'd get the idea that, like, being in that state brought you some sort of spiritual, <coughs> like, closeness. I don't know. Well, I think, and I think the negative side of it is, like, uh, for, you know, removing it from from um, the, the, the stuff we're talking about in Haiti. But I think, like, you know, that's why you see so many of these people in bands misbehave and act like terrible human beings and do bad things is because... They start thinking they're above, yeah, people around them. You know, like I think that's the negative side is that, like, you know, uh, and I think having a family and trying to like, I think that helps because I know a lot of people in bands that have families and it, it really humbles them and brings you down to earth. But like, it's I think the people that can't, and maybe it's also because we get it all out on stage, too. But like, it's the bands that and it's people that can't turn it off when they get off stage and start oh, yeah. mistreating people around them. And then in the most extreme cases, you have the behaviors that we're seeing that are like truly abusive, truly, oh, truly. Absolutely. I can understand how someone would, yeah, it's a lot of power to give to somebody. Yeah. This like 
extreme bravado that the same type of, you know, um, confidence that it requires to stand up in front of people and be compelling is the same sort of confidence it takes to be a horribly abusive mm -hmm. individual. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and yeah, I don't know. I, I, yeah, yeah, it is. But it's like a weird, cause I can, I also like, you know, um, you know, and I, th I think I can break kayfabe enough with this thing without him getting mad at me to say this, but like Danko Jones, very much the same way, like the bravado oh, on yeah. stage versus who he is as a human being are so diametrically opposed, you know, like he's such a cool yeah, collected, yeah, individual, yeah. thoughtful, yeah, and then like gets up on stage and it's all big swing and dick, yeah, right, like yeah. it's like <laughs> yeah. yeah, just like the most like, but like he he gets it out on stage, I guess, or just like you know, or maybe it's just these people are bad people and that's why they are abusive people off stage. Yeah, maybe I don't know. I, I yeah, I think I don't know. It's one thing I've one thing I've discovered in in my big takeaway from playing in music for all these years is that you know people who make good music aren't necessarily good people. People who make bad music aren't necessarily bad people. And yeah. like, uh, you know, uh, you take everybody. I've been on tour with bands where I, I really respected them and like musically, and I wouldn't, and then I never saw them again after that, and I wanted nothing to do with them. Yeah. And then I've and then I've been on tour with bands whom. I really genuinely disliked their music and uh and they and they became very close friends. Yeah. <laughs> you know like so so yeah, I don't know. I guess like morality and funny morality like you know, it's something you got to do on your own and and if you're walking off stage with that same sort of fuck you attitude and applying that to your personal life. Yeah, no, I don't imagine that's a very I found like that Very good thing to do. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I mean to cut you off. No, no, I don't know. I find I find the festivals in in you know festival tours are the place that like that's what you just said really bears out. <laughs> yeah, you know, because all of a sudden you're thrust in these backstages with people that like aren't necessarily from your world at all. Like, I've been thinking about Soundwave, like bands we were on tour with Soundwave, where I was like going in like not a fan of the music, and then meeting them and being like, holy shit, this is, like, the people I want to hang out with on this tour. Like, they're yeah. cool people. They're not fucking sketchy. They're, like... Yeah, 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 exactly. Festival. And then you also get, like... But then you also get that, like, uh, you know, those big uh, moments where you get to see the the next tier up. Yeah. And how they, how they do. They're, like, you know, how they navigate those sorts of situations. I remember being at a festival in Europe and um, and Muse was headlining it, and in order for them to get to the stage, they shut down this enormous vein of the of the uh, festival mm -hmm. where you couldn't cross. Mm -hmm. Like there was just security that were just like you cannot cross. Muse is coming through here, and uh, and we were we were trying to get to our bus. Like you know, like we were trying to go to where we were. Where we were, we were going to leave and we couldn't cross. They were like, nope, sorry, you're going to have to wait. Muse is coming through. And we're like, are you out of your fucking mind? Muse is coming through. We don't want a fucking autograph. I want to go t 10 feet over there to this bus. And you see that. And, and then I remember they came by and Dallas ch like chirped them. It was great. Dallas was like, you know, he's like, this is fucking stupid. And then like, you know, whatever their handler came over and was like, what did you say? And he was like, this is stupid. We don't want to like, 
yeah, we just want to go to our bus. You're an idiot. Yeah. And then uh, the guy was just like, okay, come on through. But like, you can just see like that sort of environment would. Now you have this band that obviously requires a lot of, you know, crazy bravado to do what they're doing. Has taken that off stage, and they're so they feel the importance so much. Well, it's a lot of times not even the band, right? I guess so. Well, like, yeah. we, I, we played when we played the warehouse with you guys. We remember them saying we were going to be locked in our dressing room when you guys went to the stage because they wanted to film you guys going to the stage. And we're like, what? or they're like, you can't be backstage. <laughs> this happening, yeah, you're right. right. Yeah, I guess and that's it's like, true. And it's All right, I, I, so I we're know, guilty too. And it's, what, guilty. It's not, but it's not you, right? Like I know yeah. that wasn't like. I know it wasn't George being like, you know, or even Dallas being like, you know, make sure they don't fuck up the shot, you know? Oh, yeah, no. We we did more than enough fucking up our own shots just by the way we looked and and uh, the way we acted. But, like, yeah, a lot of time it's like, a lot of time it's not even the band. It's just, like, the world that kind of protects the band or that yeah. exists around the band that ends up f- making it, weird and difficult too like not to defend muse i've never met them maybe it might be terrible i don't know yeah they're probably fine people or whatever i don't give a shit but like yeah like that would like i just thought it was like it was unnecessary at that point yeah no definitely especially like like axel rose did that in uh uh the download festival where he flew in like guns and roses were playing they played the worst show i've ever seen mind you they came back and the guns and roses i think fucking yep turned that around but they uh they he played this really really awful show at, at download and they just cleared everywhere backstage like you weren't yeah. allowed all these places where you were it was just like no no we're leaving Axel needs this space to himself yeah and that was I just remember thinking that was weird especially because at that same festival we we're hanging out at some weird back bar and Phil and Salmo comes walking in <laughs> this is the best story Phil and Salmo is that of same story Pantera. Yeah, yeah this is the one right and like. And we're standing there, and I, we had seen Allison Chains had played earlier in the day, and he was Phil and Samuel standing on the side of the stage, and he was just like singing along to every single uh, Allison Chains song, and I'm like, and I remember we were like, I wonder if he's gonna go out and do a song because we'd heard that he'd he'd done that, he'd sang for Allison Chains at a few things. Dallas, of course, is a huge Allison Chains yeah, fan, yeah. Around, right? And I was standing there, it was me and, uh, I think it was Ian from Billy Talent, and we were like, I was standing there, and I just said to him, I was like, hey, I thought you were going to do a song with uh, with Alice in Chains today. He's like, nah, they never would have let me do it, I was too drunk. And he's like, how about uh, I sing you a song right now, though? Or not. We were just like, yes, Phil Anselmo, I don't know where this is going, but... I want to know what you're going to sing me. Yeah, so he put his arm around me and and, uh, and Ian and was like, Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Okay, that's enough of that. See you later, guys. And then he just, like, ghosted <laughs> off with, like, a, a few of the, pan- like, you know, whatever, like, the the Pantera hangarounds that are hanging around down, you know, are still around him. And that was, he was, but that's it. Like, accessible, like, you just you like gathering around. Like I've been at festivals where Lemmy is just walking around yeah. in the thing. Yeah. You know, Dallas you is playing, real. Dallas is playing basketball with Chuck D. Yeah. You know, yeah. like like it's like those are the those are the accessible real sort of yeah. thing. Whereas I don't know. There's like a, well, like it, yeah. <laughs> Did he go up to some kid in a minor threat shirt and say like first album only, fuck Fugazi? Oh, 
I remember you telling me that back then. First album only, <laughs> fuck Fugazi. That sounds like a, I don't know, that sounds like a memory that I may have had. <laughs> I remember you telling me, it's like, oh, some kid of mine. First album only, fuck Fugazi. <laughs> that sounds right. <sighs> that That is burnt in my memory, because I, if I ever meet him, that's going to be the only thing I say to him. Oh, God. First yeah. album only, fuck Fugazi. First album only, fuck Fugazi. It's, 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 <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's preaching right to the right to you, man. I know, I know. Well, no, I I I respect Fugazi, in, yeah. in a in a way that like you know I want to listen to Minor Threat more, but like I respect the the Fugazi. Yeah, you respect it. You respect yeah. it, but I can't think, hate it. I don't know. Yeah, I like. I also uh, it's not a like you know you just don't have every you know Fugazi flexi disc. Don't have any Fugazi records to be honest with you. I don't think right now. Wow. Might have to edit that out. That is delightfully contrarian, Damien. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of stuff I don't have. Like, it's amazing, like, like a lot of just, like, bread and butter records that you can't have because, you know, you've got to make room for... Do you get to the point where you don't, you don't have something and you're kind of embarrassed to buy it? Oh. Because I've been there. Yeah. Where, like, I have something, I'm just like, I don't have this, and I want to buy it. But I'm like... <laughs> I look like a pose dog buying this fucking record. <laughs> That's something I used to struggle with back in the day. Yeah, I might do that. If it, yeah, there's definitely records I'm sure that would be like that, where I'd be like, uh, I should probably have a copy of this. But like, there's just so many records, you know, mm-hmm. and just so little room. Oh, I know. We're back to records, Damien. We're always We're back, back to records. We're, We're back, back to. to it. I wanted to actually, you know, about uh, about the. Um, like idea of getting lost in it and kind of like you know consuming it you know we talked about this last time too but like that's one of the reasons you know i respect you for a lot of reasons but like the fact that you were able to turn it off and decide that you know i remember you telling me like you're not going to believe how small the world we're in is when you're talking about music like oh my like god yeah. how i'm in fire school and like everybody loves country music yeah that's what they love yeah they want they want to listen to things that I'm just like I'm I was so blown away taking a step out of the world of our bubble of music and people who are kind of influenced by punk or hip hop or something like that and you're and then all of a sudden you're in a world where people are listening to top 40 radio yeah. and that's how they that's how they experience music and uh, I remember being in school and like people I was in school with they were like George you're you're like a music guy like what do you listen to what are you listening to right now and I was just like I remember playing I remember playing Grinderman 2 like that album <laughs> for a bunch of kids and they were like huh in- this is weird like yeah like obviously I could just sense that like it made no sense to yeah, them. Yeah. They were never going to... It's not like they were... I was opening their mind. Yeah, it was a similar thing to playing the Cro-Mags on the Wedge. Yeah. It was... It was... Uh, I'm not... Like, I thought it would be this mind-opening, you know, experience. But it's just one of those things I can't explain to people. You know, like, my music my music preferences in the, in the world of... Uh, the world of firefighting don't really cross... It doesn't cross too many. Do people know... People did people recognize you from Alexis? Did people know Alexis in firefighter school? Uh, they figured it out. But you um, you didn't play. You didn't tell people. No, I didn't tell people. You're like but, the guy but, in they, but then they but then up. they figured it out. No, but you know what? They figured it out, and I went and. Uh, but at the end of the day, like, here's the thing: most people in that world didn't listen to Alexis. Yeah. Some of them did, and some of them are excited. But at the end of the day, 
I have a job to do. Yeah. And we all have a job to do. And I'm going to be judged not based on the weight of my back catalog. I'm going to be judged on the weight of whether or not I can do the job that we all have to do. We all have to rely on each other. And so that it becomes this kind of team thing where, and I have it at work. There are, there are guys that are, that are um, interested. I mean, people are all interested in it. Yeah. But at the end of the day, we have, like, we have this job that we do. And, the, and, the, and that's, that's kind of more, that drives the conversation more than tour stories. Yeah, no, I think definitely. Right? Like, so. Yeah. But you never experienced it in high school, right? Because you were, like, out of high school by the time Alexis started blowing up. Yeah, I was, I was, uh, by the time Alexis had blown up, I was out of high school. I remember, I remember turning in the Alexis on Fire demo in a English writer's craft class to, for, like, a project or something. (laughs) But, but then that was, then, yeah, yeah, I was out of school by the time Alexis got, was on TV. Mind you, Wade and, Wade and, and Steele would be able to tell you different stories. That's like the, uh, that's like the, uh, the ultimate, like, high school experience type thing. And I guess you experienced, like, a very different version of that later in life. Yeah. Yeah. Very different version of it later in life. Very, like, yeah, I remember taking Wade, we'd go play in Quebec City. We were supposed to open for Hatebreed. Hatebreed didn't go across the border. What? That never happened. (laughs) No, yeah, it happened, like, every, happened every single time. Every, like a hundred times. We drove nine hours to play with Hatebreed. <laughs> and then we had to get home because the kids had to go to, to school. Yeah. And we drove nine hours straight from this failed Hatebreed show all the way back to St. Catharines and dropped them off. Didn't even stop at their houses. Went straight to school and dropped them off at school. Yeah. And uh, and that was, yeah, so that was different. Yeah, I can imagine <laughs> really different. Yeah, and turning it on and off, I don't know, whatever. I don't fucking... I do appreciate a certain degree of anonymity, like, in my life, and I know that that is completely counterintuitive to be doing a podcast or doing a media thing about how I don't want to be recognized or whatever. <laughs> but but I do, I do, like, that's... I, I do feel like I get to enjoy a bit of that at work. What because, he, yeah, sorry about Yeah, because it is. It's It's... At the end of the day, I'm going to be judged more so on my ability as a firefighter than I am on, like, on whether or not I'm a, you know, a, you know, whether or not they liked Crisis. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, yeah. Well, also, you guys are, like, the last wave. Like, we're talking about these artists like uh, Little Ugly Mane, or not Little Ugly Mane, sorry, Lil, uh, uh, Ghost Mane and, and stuff like that. Like, these artists are insanely popular, like, have millions, tens of millions of plays, but I think are to the mass rank and file of people still fairly anonymous because it's so intense, but it's like intense in this big bubble. Whereas you guys, because of, you know, where much music was still at, were like the last wave of people that got mass exposure to a mainstream while still being something that wasn't mainstream. Yeah. And it's weird. Like, you know, in certain circumstances I, I, I will get recognized and there is like a, you know, there was a degree of fame, that came with it and you had to, that you had to figure out. But I also feel like most people, I don't, I feel like Alexis on fire, just the way we looked, we weren't some, a band that you wanted to just look at <laughs> like all the time. So there was a lot of situations where I could just like, even if somebody had heard of Alexis on fire, I could just slide under the radar. Like, yeah, I'm still doing all the things that people do. I'm getting my license plates renewed and I'm doing that sort yeah. of thing, getting, buying groceries and standing around waiting 
and and once in a while somebody recognizes you and thinks it's a bit of a novelty to come up to you and talk but there's no like it was no like fandom it's just like is what it is it's when like, we were hanging out and, when we were hanging out there would be a lot of people coming up remember that time in taco bell that was in the height of... yeah that was in the height of it <laughs> that yeah. was so crazy yeah you had all your music on like a fucking Oh, like it was like a. It wasn't even a cell phone. I don't even know what sort of device he had, but he was just playing you to you. It was you. like one of those like P, like PlayStation like handheld <laughs> yeah. game things. Yeah, and uh, yeah, just playing it to me. Yeah, no, there's there's people that there's there's people who navigate that weird. Dallas gets it a ton. Yeah, I see him. I love. Oh God, God bless him. It is. It's hard. It's hard. Like where he'll be out somewhere and wanting to. And he's a reasonable guy, mm-hmm. and, and 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 in a lot of ways a very approachable guy. But there are people who just like dehumanize him. Like I've yeah. been there. I've been standing there when like somebody comes up and then like they're not talking to a person. They're talking to Dallas Green, and it's all about oh I need to get a I need to get a cell phone picture and all this stuff. There was a thing uh, like um, when we were in Australia. Um, Megan and I brought Megan and Owen to Australia under the tour, right? And me and Meg were taking turns going out, mm-hmm. like because I'd stay home with Owen one night and she'd go out and hang out, and I'd uh, and vice versa, right? So she went out the one night and to some after show after one of the shows with all the guys, and she's hanging out, and some guy like was so hot to get a picture with Dallas that he like kind of pushed her out of the way, and then. Dallas like really like cussed him out, right? Like was just like, "What are you fucking doing, man? This is George's. It. This is George's fucking wife. You know, like don't fucking don't disrespect her. Like if you want a picture, we'll talk about it, but don't like push her out of the way and like he just like forced himself into a selfie, right? And like, <laughs> and I remember Meg like lurked him afterwards, and he got like, you know, he had like here's a picture of him with Dallas Green. He's got like six likes on it, and you're just like. You just completely offended every person around you so that you could get six likes on Instagram. And I mean, like, I get that you like the band, but like, you know, whatever. Yeah. And, the, and and that's where I've seen Dallas. Like, most people are fucking lovely. Dallas has some pretty fun stories about like, you know, like he was telling me about seeing some guy in uh, this is before Alexis had released the new song and nobody knew about it yet. And he was walking around downtown uh like in Nashville and some guy came up to him and was just like, Oh my God, Alexis on Fire is one of my favorite bands. And he was like, all right, cool. And he walked with them and he got a coffee with them. And then as he was leaving, he was like, Alexis on Fire is releasing a new song in a few days. Nobody knows that yet. Just for you, bud. And then just like, you know, like, yeah, like, like just like completely spilled the beans to this guy. But yeah, no, it, it's hard. Like, I don't know. I've never, I haven't had that level I mean, maybe a little I, bit back in the day, yeah. but not lately. Like, I don't have... People are all... Like, if they want to... I'm not as famous as I think people tend to No, I, and I think it's, you know, obviously, it's, there's a passage of time, but, like, in a, and much music and videos don't have the power they did have. Yeah. But at that moment, you know, like, you had crossed over and become... Like, you know, and you were still you, right? Like, we're, you're staying on my fucking couch at the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, like, yeah, like, it was, like, a mainstream celebrity recognition that, you know, I think is even different than what Dallas is exposed to now, right? Like... Yeah. You know, and I mean, like, I mean, like, I'm, I'm obviously being a little bit humble. Like, there's, like it, maybe it's just that it doesn't feel that way. But at the same time, you know, I'm looking at, you know, 
I mean, we're, we're selling more concert tickets than we ever have before. But it's different we're now. We're doing, yeah. yeah. I don't know, man. Because now it feels like everything exists more in its own universe, right? Like, you could be the biggest fucking band in the world, but, like, no one outside of your bubble necessarily will have heard of you. Like, I was talking to, I just worked at this company for the last little bit, you know, and I'm talking to those people about music. It was so, you know, like, there'd be bands I'd be like, you know, well, you know this band. And they'd be like, no. And then you do the thing where, like, well, okay, well, they're, they're you know, they, they're friends with this band. Do you know this band? They're like, no. And you're like, oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay, let's start okay, at ground zero. Not so, Arcade Fire. You don't know. Okay. <laughs> who's another band other than Arcade Fire? Yeah. Like, out there. Um, but like, like, we're gonna have to get a chalkboard talk going. Yeah, we're yeah. Gonna, like yeah, walk yeah. through. I'm gonna walk you through the history of modern alternative music. What do you and, like? Yeah. And I will connect it to the dot. But like now, it feels like it's different than there's not as there are zeitgeists, obviously. But like you know, I look at look at like uh, what's his name, um, uh, Pump, that rapper. Fuck. Okay. With like the what's this young pump, uh, little pump, uh, little fuck. pump. Little pump is a little is pump. Is that a? Th I don't know. I sound super this old. Is, we sound so old. Man, yeah, this so is so uh, old. We're very old. This but I, is I'll, I'll look at him play. Guy. He'll be playing <laughs> okay. to like you know, forty thousand people, thirty thousand people, and it's like, it's real and it's happening. Like it's it's a thing, but it it doesn't relate at all to. And it's not just an age thing. Like you can talk to a person who's not aware of that kind of music yeah. just because they're in like something like Greta Van Fleet or whatever. Yeah. shit they're into <laughs> and they're just be like what like little uzi who like, yeah yeah no it, yeah it doesn't even doesn't even track well that's exactly it and especially with hip-hop i remember seeing this wade was we were discussing whether or not our song would be played on radio a while ago and largely it, it is not in the it, it's getting played here and there but it's not in the, the level it was on yeah. crisis like it hasn't been like and and then it's kind of died off where like they're like they've, they've kind of said no to it and i remember i was kind of like oh, you know i was butthurt about that or something and wade was just like george you just need to realize that what radio is like it's just not for it's not for us and it's like uh he's like drake is the biggest selling canadian artist probably ever like, ever yeah and we don't even have a rap exclusive radio station in Toronto. Mm -hmm. We don't have a, there's no radio platform really to display. Like, I yeah. don't know. Yeah. Like, well, it's almost like, you know, like it, it's Drake invented a new format for Toronto, right? Like, so Toronto could avoid having a true hip hop, not Drake didn't do this, but like yeah. Toronto radio invented a new format to avoid having to give an all hip hop radio station another go. And that was like this format where it's just like, like, like hip hop maybe. So it's like yeah, hip hop it's like, is exactly how you put it. Like yeah. the poppiest ends of rap music and stuff that kind of breaks through yeah. once in a while. But it, then it's also like padded out with like. Well, that's it. But that but obviously what the people want are these things that 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 just doesn't track. It doesn't. It's not going to be on the television yeah. or on radio or on those in those places where the, your people who know about Greta Van Fleet are clearly finding their music, yeah, right? Yeah, and, that, and that's, like, still what dominates, you know, a huge swath of it. Mm -hmm. But it's, like, yeah, I don't know. It's it's, a, it's it's an interesting time where there's just so much interesting stuff. Are you, have you heard about this goth boy click stuff? Mm -mm. It's, like, uh, I guess the, the, the not preferred term is emo 
uh, rap. Oh god! But yeah. emo trap is the other name that people yeah. call it. But it's like emo music with kind of hip hop beats, trap beats, and it's blown up. Like Lil Peep <laughs> is the biggest. Oh yeah, of, Lil Peep. Yeah, of course. I know Lil Peep. He was part like of Gothic. Lil Zan, like. Uh, uh, I don't know if he's part. Of, I don't think he's part of it. It's okay. like more like. Maybe they all, I don't know. Yeah, see, this is, I don't know, like, uh, this is where I am, like, I don't know enough about it to even be talking about but it. But it's so, so terrified I'm going to sound like my father discussing, <laughs> discussing no wave, you know? Like, but yeah. it's still, but this stuff to me is totally connected to punk and still is the punk, you know? Like, there obviously is punk punk yeah. that still happens of and course. is real, but like... But this is just like another thing to kind of mutate off of it. And yeah. it's like the people involved have all been like, there's this guy, Wickface, um, who's one of the main people in this goth boy thing. And he played in Tiger's Jaw and he's like a, like a total punk rock kid. Mm-hmm. And so it's like still connected to punk rock. You know, it's still kind of like, I don't know. It's, it's nice to know that this thing that was a draw, it was drawing 15 people to shows in community centers is still. now like 20,000 you know yeah. like yeah a thing or yeah. just survives this day like I'm sure there's still like a next wave of kids that are playing to 15 people somewhere right now well that yeah and I do I feel like there is that void right now where they they do like people want it and that's Alexis on Fire's kind of stepped back into that role in some regards like people are excited about Alexis on Fire again in Toronto and I think it's because a lot of those people who liked Alexis on Fire who maybe got into us from the edge or from much music are now still on the in that world and they're not hearing anything that slightly resembles it yeah. right so i don't know and that's it and and, and yeah i don't know fuck man 20,000 20,000 tickets in that's, Toronto that's crazy that's wild it's fucking stupid it's a lot of people very stupid. That's a that's the most you played to it. Well, how many did you do that time that you guys did like all those shows, like the warehouse three days in a row and Oh yeah, that would have been like just shy of twenty maybe nine thousand. Was it nine that little? Because there was a poster I remember you guys had which had like the number. If you added up if you added up, I think it was like I think it was just shy of nine thousand. But then you get repeat shows, people yeah, are going to the same back, show over back, and over again yeah. and stuff. I don't know, man. It's fucking weird. It's, it's weird. weird and hard to hard to I'm still wrapping my head around it. And I'm excited about it. I don't know. I'm fucking, I'm happy as hell that I get to spend my time with these fucking idiots all the time. The guys on Alexis are blowing up my phone right now. I don't know what Wade wants to talk to me about, but that's it. <laughs> Is and he calling I, again? No, I don't know. I got text messages, though. I got stuff. Yeah. Anyway, I'm not <laughs> fucking worried about it. Who cares? Dead Tired. Dead Tired has a, uh, do you have this issue? Do you have, Is there like a fucked up group chat? On text message that Dude, you have to navigate. No, <laughs> we no. don't talk at all. Oh, okay, well, fuck. <laughs> like... I'm gonna say this as I'm the only member uh, of either of my bands that has kids, and all these assholes are fucking keeping yeah. a really late night, you know, text message. They love to go off. Oh, I'm at the bar. I'm doing this or whatever, you know, like late night sort of stuff. And I just wake up in the morning and I text them when they're I get on, up. They're doing the rock star shit. You're doing the real life shit, dude. <laughs> doing the real life shit. Oh, they're fuck. like, they're like, you know, bovining it up and you're... Bovining it up. That's how another... <laughs> we're all, Damien. That's, we still think the cool spot is the bovine sex club. Bovine still attracts a certain audience. <laughs> 
<laughs> Definitely. For those of you in podcast world, the Bovine Sex Club is... is I've recorded is, is, a lot uh, of stuff there. Oh, yeah. Fat Mike and Jell Biafra were both interviewed in Daryl from the Bovine's apartment. God, it is a... It is like a local institution. Yes. Just like... Uh, yeah. I remember the Bovine Sex Club back in the day was the... You, the boot, it was like the epicenter for bootleg New York Dolls t-shirts, yep. you know, and like that sort of vibe, super rock and roll-y sort of bar. Look, the, the whole place looks that, like a pile of garbage. That bar built that vibe. Yeah. Like, if I was going to like think of like what is responsible for like the glam thing in Toronto, like what hell? second, yeah. Yeah, like what, what, like, you know, we live in a world where Netflix made a movie about the dirt now, oh, right? God, I watched it last night. It's like, like people there have been waving that flag the whole fucking time. Like they've been like, yeah, they've <laughs> been living that for a long time. And there's weird, yeah, I don't know. The first time we ever gigged together was there. Yeah, that yeah. would have been with uh, Black what Black Lungs. Lungs opening. Yeah, yeah, I remember that because you guys had just, you guys had just, um, I just heard the. It was right when you were kind of branching out. Probably Triumph of Life, like Teenage Problems sort of era of Fucked Up. And I remember hearing that. It was before the first European tour. And I remember Amance Crumans was there. Yep. And I remember talking to him about it. And he was like, yeah, it sounds like the undertones and stuff. And that was... Uh, that was... Yeah, rest in peace, Amance. Yeah, That man. was also the night that... Oh, here we go. Call that back. That's my father-in-law. Um, that was also the night um, of the infamous Billy Talent. Uh, oh, that's shit. right. The beef, the beef took uh, took offense, and that was just like, oh god, yeah. I, mean, I think Ian came in because the Bovine Sex Club is like Ian's local spot. Yeah, and yeah. he just like walked in, and there were hardcore kids that desperately wanted to get in. Well, they to wouldn't see like fucked up. Well, because kids went outside in between bands, and they wouldn't let them back in. Oh yeah, and then. Ian got let in, right? You know, like he's like it's his bar, right? He's it's, there all the time. That's his. It's his spot, but like, fuck, it pissed off the hardcore kids. Oh yeah. Well, the hardcore kids are a fickle bunch. And it was a. And they and they were you know and that's it and those those were like I felt like that was probably growing pain moments for fucked up as well because that would have been. You know, around the t- before then, where you're playing mostly not at like bars per se you're playing yeah. at like the what like the transact well, we played like, no we played bars definitely but but it was like yeah that was our first time playing like the bovine was the spot yeah and that was also though then what happened was then billy talent put up that record with the line which they said in interviews was lashing out of the trendy downtown punks that had dissed him in the media and i said to you do you think it's about us you're like no it's definitely about you guys <laughs> <laughs> and then so we did where is the line and then ultimately, uh, I found out that it wasn't about bit, us. Yeah, I don't know what I don't know what it was. I don't know. Maybe that, maybe I'm at fault for that. I might be at fault. For You're not at fault for it. It it, it all worked out. You yeah. know. Oh man. It all worked out. The, uh, <laughs> it's so funny though but you know what yeah you're right like like the bovine sex club if that show had happened at cinecycle yep ian just wouldn't have been able to get in no but ian and and then the and the hardcore kids would have had their day and also like it wasn't like and ian was there to see you guys i'm sure too right like oh he was there to hang out too yeah, yeah. yeah and he was probably like i think at that point you guys were making enough of a of a of a stink in a, in a in Toronto that I think people were kind of like, let's see what this is all about. Yeah, I wonder and if it was the, yeah. 
I like. I think. Uh, you know, I I've think, met him since. He's like super cool, dude. They are really like one of the Billy nicest Talent bands are, on earth. Are really honestly like, like some of the most loveliest people that I've worst, ever met touring. The worst band to have a beef with because then you meet him and you're like, <laughs> "Fuck, we were definitely the jerks in the situation." Do you got any active band beefs going on? No, I don't like. At this point, like, there's bands that diss me. There's bands that, like, you know, and I'm just like, sure. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> That's a valid yeah, point. whatever. <laughs> like, nah. you can't be worse than a YouTube comment or, like, a message board comment from, like, 15 years ago. Oh, God, yeah. I don't know. I've got, like, yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to name any names. But there's, there's like, a few, like, that I'm sure, like, I don't, I, now that I think about it, I'm like, yeah, this person would probably avoid me publicly, you know, like, if I saw them. But I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, what do I really... Like, am I holding on to I'm trying to think, yeah, some like, sort of bad feelings from, like, ten years ago? I don't know. Yeah. I'm trying... Like, not... Longer it's weird. Yeah, like, like, then there's some beefs that are, like... It's more than just, like, a band beef. You know? Like, it's, like, a personal thing. Or, like, you're, like, you're... Or you're... Yeah. yeah. You know? Like, that's different than, like... The Billy Talent thing was entirely, like, band beef. Like, just, like... Like, oh, this is... And, and Fucked Up definitely early on was like a master of making a mountain out of a molehill to get a good band beef going. I uh, I love... I don't think you guys flex the story of uh, the terminal state. I always yeah. love the idea of you guys, the first time you ever signed a recording contract <laughs> was to Revelation Records, <laughs> and it you sold them a song of terminal state... Who had dissed fucked up, and I, I like, I, I just think that that is the most beautiful, hilarious prankster sort of thing well, to it, do. And that was from rap too. I'm trying to remember whose beef it was. Where like, someone got played an instrumental that was going to diss them before the instrument before the diss track draw. So they cut a song over the top of the same instrumental, and it was just like. It's just like this idea that, like, yeah, like, you know, that's just felt so playful. Like, everything about that was just, yeah, like, exactly. playful beefs. Whereas, like, there's some beefs where, you yeah, know, it's like, oh, that's, like, a real genuine reason. Genuine friction. <laughs> yeah, there's a real reason this yeah. is there. Yeah. Whereas that was, like, they made fun of us on a record, um, and then we covered their song on a Revelation record. Yeah. I don't think there's any, yeah, no, I don't think there's anybody, really, that you could, I don't know. I would avoid or whatever. Yeah, I don't really like, care enough. No, like, I don't have enough invested in it in any of my hate for anything to really not give somebody a fucking chance. I think, and it's also like we're all so like as soon as you're in a point to be in a band where people outside of your peer group care about what you're doing, you're like you're like in the top, you know, twenty percent of bands. Oh, less than that. Yeah, I'd like say. less than that. Even. Yeah, yeah, like. You walk through a practice space in any city, in any <laughs> in any country in the world, and you will hear the sounds of dreams that will one day be broken coming out from a lot of those rooms. Oh, man. But that's why it's wild. Like, punk rock and, like, hardcore, it's, like, amazing how many people, you know, went on to do stuff. You know, like, you got to think about how many bands, you know, a disproportionate number of bands that came out of punk rock and hardcore that have no expectation of success or commercial recognition have managed to make some sort of career or at least global impression on scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, it's just, I think it is, I don't know how to 
break that down in a way that's not completely cliche about like, oh, you have this DIY ethos and you apply, you, you apply that to other areas of your life. But I think that's pr probably pretty much it. It requires a certain amount of, of uh, ingenuity to be a be in the punk scene or be involved in a in some sort of uh you know in that sort of outsider culture even in like or in film or in art or any of that mm -hmm, stuff mm -hmm. and yeah you can apply that into a more adult role or whatever yep. do whatever you want i know that i know that i've done the things in my life because because i made lightning strike with alexis on fire and i think that's why all of us are doing well in whatever we choose to do is because we made lightning strike with Alexis on fire. And then it was just like, oh yeah, I can make lightning strike anytime I want. We just got to do it. Like that, that attitude of the difference between doing it and not doing it is doing it. And you just, yeah, the, if, if one person did it, you can probably figure it out. Mm -hmm. And that, and that, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's why I think that's the secret of, of you know, whatever. It's not really supernatural. Why I've been successful in any part of my life. It's just because of that. You just make the decision to do something and figure it out. Yeah, it's not it's not it's not brilliant. It's just is what it is. And I think it's like it is luck and timing. Like it, it, you know, there's skills involved. I think yeah. You know what? You bring that you bring that point up too. Is yeah, a lot of a lot of music. I think and and very much actually firefighting is luck as well. Well, I think there's fire, a lot yeah. of you have to work really hard to get to a certain point where. When you're lucky, you have that moment. You ha you can you can deliver yeah. in the moment of luck. Yeah, and that's pretty much music. That's a lot of that's most things in life now. There's no real like straight line to any sort of like career stability or anything like that. You just kind of have to keep uh, playing the lottery and uh, throwing your resume into the ocean until one day Something somebody happens. somebody goes by in a boat and finds <laughs> you know and, yeah. and fucking throws you a line. <laughs> And pulls you up to glory. Like, it, and all those years ago, like, going back, you know, did you ever think that after all the work you put in, all the bands around you and all the work that they put in, that all of us, all of us together, would not equal the celebrity of Maddie Matheson? <laughs> <laughs> did you ever think that? Isn't it wild? Like I like I, obviously we both love that dude to death and it, very proud of his success and he has oh, worked hard. Oh man! But like the crazy dude, I remember because I first met him through you guys yeah. in the Cancer Bats. Yeah. That this crazy motherfucker would one day be the dude that nine times out of ten when someone's like, "Hey, have you ever met Maddie Matson?" Like, oh when, yeah. When people ask me like if I know, that's someone, another one of those things where like yeah, people at work no idea about punk scenes yeah. or music or any of the t-shirts that Maddie wears they know Maddie Matheson they yeah. love him they they, they want to yeah no he's uh yeah no absolutely that came out of left field and I, I was always really I don't know I'm yeah I'm super happy that that all that stuff's Same going here, down yeah, for absolutely. him I mean Maddie like yeah I played some of my first ever shows in a band with his band yeah I you know I've eaten at every pretty much most of the restaurants he's worked at in Toronto, like even back in the, like long before it was what it was, he was just there at the shows. He'd given me, I have a stick poke tattoo that he gave me. I, you know, he's, I don't know. It, it's just so weird. It's weird to think of him in that light, yeah. but at the same time, I'm like, oh yeah, it makes sense. Like he's such a big, crazy personality. And 
even back when he was just like, you know, the executive chef at Parts and Labor, like he was a celebrity. He was yep. like, he was, uh, you wanted to be close to him because you knew it was going to be wild and fun and all that stuff. And I, he's just applied that to other things in his life. I think he still, he still has that, you know, that I like that feeling about him when you, when you see him, you're like, what is he up to? I yep. want to be around that, you know? Like, yeah. So it makes sense. And he's a great fucking chef. He's, he's a great really, chef. really good. Like and, he could cook. Like, He'd come up to the show and he'd be wearing pants that he hadn't changed in like three months. <laughs> They'd been partied in several times. Yeah. And you'd be like, fuck, I hope he makes food. Yeah. Oh, man. Because <laughs> he can He's cook. He some great, great food. He is definitely, definitely cook. I was, while we were filming this that wrestling show, I'm in Atlanta at this dude Fred Yehi's house with his family and all these members of sort of like the, the black wrestling community in Atlanta at this barbecue, you know, like very clearly no one, no, not very clear, but no one's connected to punk. Um, and then these young kids come up to me, they're like, Hey, you work for vice, right? And I'm like, yeah, they're like, have you ever met Maddie Matheson? <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, yeah many, <laughs> many, many times, times. <laughs> many times, many, many times. Uh, it's well, but that's like another, like, you know, but that, like, think the, he's in the same scene, room. Like, the same, yeah, no, exactly. The, think about all of the people, all of the incredible artists, you know, and people who have maybe gone on to make music, or the, the, the immense amount of contribution to culture in this country that has come from those fucking hall, like the, the Canadian Auto Workers Union Hall yep. in Hamilton, and, yeah, uh, what is that fucking... Q bar in Toronto or like all these little weird areas mm -hmm. where like a lot of amazing people graced those rooms that went on to be internationally touring bands or television personalities or, or whatever. Or even 10 years earlier where you had the people that would go on to start vice in, in yeah. those rooms, you know, like, Oh it's, yeah. It's very weird. Like how, you know, it's just like this little blip on the cultural radar. Like you're talking about, like you go to this firefighter school, like, would anyone have ever heard of DOA? Like, you know, yeah. like, like, except for you, obviously, but, like, at the time you're there. No. No, but you would, nobody would have known about it or, or known about, like, even, like, something like, wouldn't have known about suicide. Yeah. Or, like, all these things. These huge, hugely important cultural acts that, yeah, most people just don't know about it. But, but yet, that's the, but that's the same thing, like, I don't know. But yet it informs, like, Maddie Matheson. It informs Vice. It informs... You know, uh, it informs, like, all the stuff that does break through, you know? Mm -hmm. Maybe President Punk. President Punk? President Beto O'Rourke. President Punk. Oh, yeah. We'll see what happens. First act of Congress, Fugazi reunion. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. It's going to make so many... It's not going to be great politically, I don't think. Obviously, it's going to be, you know, whatever. But it's going to be awesome for all the reunions that he's going to finally make happen. Yeah, think about who's going to play at, like, the, the, the White House. Like, you know, I don't know. Yeah, that'd be that'd be pretty cool. You might, fucked up, might get a... a uh... An invitation to the White House. I think as we've more, all been waiting for. It's we've more likely waiting. now than it's ever been. <laughs> but I still think it's a very it's a huge improbability yeah. that it's gonna happen. No, yeah, you know. We can all we can all dream. That would be I wanna live in the world where fucked up is playing at the White House. I That's wanna, what I wanna live in that. I wanna live in that world. I wanna live in a world where by act of presidential decree we have Jell Biafra singing with the dead Kennedys again. We have a Fugasa reunion. 
we have a crossed out reunion. Like, there's so many things that he could make happen, yeah, you know? And could. these people can't say no. What? They're going to get thrown in jail? Yeah, that's exactly... Oh, I guess yeah. we're going to have to fucking do this shit. Think what you do with that power. Oh, my God. There'd be so many amazing, like, super groups. <laughs> super groups. Like, by, and, like... By a stroke of a pen, DYS is performing their whole record, but choke singing this time. The second <laughs> LP. Which is one of my fantasy things. <laughs> Dallas that Green... That is so fucking... That is so fucking specific, Damien. Dallas Green will have to start answering my texts about the songs that he I want him to cover. He will, he will have to cover advice on arrest. Finally, after 20 some odd years of me asking him. I have troubles getting my cover ideas sold to the Alexis guys. Well, you got to become president punk. I got to become president. I got to, I got to wield more power. <laughs> you got to have like you, a dictate, you know, like I need like some sort of dictatorial power yes. over, it must be nice. It must be nice to be able to do that. Like being like the sole songwriter and like artistic vision in a band. Cause right now we're like, we're just like Alexis on fire is five horses all chime, like like pulling in different directions not in different directions entirely in fact we're all we're all it works that's just kind of how it works yeah like we all there's a little bit of compromise on all sides and it lands on alexis on fire and that's kind of how it's always been but yeah uh it must be nice the idea of just like well, like telling people what to do and then they do well, yeah, because, uh, well that's because you have to be the president you got to be know? the president you got to be able to threaten and throw them in jail cuz like fucked up yeah. kind of works like that but i still like Stop Mike from doing shit. <laughs> yeah, I'll just be like, no. You're talking pretty big on your podcast right now, Damien. He you know? he knows. He knows. He's seen it. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like no. Just flexing the no button. No. no. Yeah. yeah, like a veto power. But like when you got like if Mike had the power to throw me in prison to do it, like fuck, fucked up would have done that immediate follow up to David comes to life. Oh man. You're no, you didn't want to do it. You didn't want to. You it called was it, huh? Too quick after. It was too quick, but yeah. I probably fucked up. What's going on now? Got anything on the go? Uh, we got some stuff. We got we got we got some tours coming up. Yeah. Gonna go to Vegas. Oh yeah, you're doing punk rock bowling. Same weekend though is double or nothing. Oh my goodness. The wrestling event to end all wrestling <laughs> events. There's so many punk wrestlers wrestling on it. And Lars, the king of the wrestling punk connection, is playing. On punk rock bowling. Oh, there you go. So me, Lars, there's a bunch of other punk wrestler fans, or wrestling fans. Just fucking <sighs> punishing wrestlers. No, but it's then the wrestlers, the whole, dude, you can't even get close to them. I don't you can't know. get backstage. It's one of those things. It's like the thing. It's like the the you, you can't go back there. Only wrestlers are allowed backstage. Do you know, there's three wrestlers that have named themselves after Davey Havoc. Oh yeah. I'm telling you, there's just as much. Uh, you know, fanaticism for punk rock on the wrestling side. That's mm -hmm. why there's a connection, George. It's so strong. Much stronger than the skateboarding. I don't know if I've told you this yet. About when I was in Download. I, I should have known this was going to turn into fucking wrestling. It always does. It, it always, does. always does. It always, it does. always <laughs> leads to weed and so wrestling. The end of it. We're going <laughs> to the wrestling world. But here it is. My son. I've been reliving wrestling through my son. Oh, mostly because he loves it. I was going to do a dab. I might even bring up your kid. Whatever. <laughs> I mean, it's, no, it's, no, it's legal now. That's true. It's legal. It's legal. Go it's enjoy legal. yourself. The, uh, um, uh, so yeah, I'm at Download Festival. NXT is wrestling yeah. at Downloads Festival. Did you meet Robbie Brookside? I met no, I didn't meet Robbie Brookside. He I was met, there though. He was I, there. He was there. He didn't come. You should have asked. I, I, I should. No, I could have made that happen, George. I know. Yeah, but okay. So here's. Let me tell the fucking story. All right. He goes to uh, Roderick Strong. 
And like uh, his tag team partner, whom I'm not. Kyle O'Reilly? Kyle O'Reilly. Yo, they that's came... my dude. Kyle's my dude. Okay, well, they came over and they introduced themselves. And I was like, oh, thanks, you know, whatever. And like we, we hung out and I got them to film a video for Owen being like, uh, uh, you know, being like, hey, Owen, you know, next time we see you, you know, they did a promo. But then uh, Alistair Black came over and he and he started like talking to us and because he, he was like, I guess he was a fan of the band or something. Uh, and, and I've then, always wondered what he was into because like I've always like yeah, he looks he looks like. Uh, yeah. To me, he looks like he likes like uh, like Norma Jean or something. Yeah. You know, like he like he looks like yeah. that era of like yeah. metallic hardcore kind of. Because like... I hit him up one time on IG or no on Twitter, he was doing a Q and A thing. So I just sent over one that I'm like, "What's your favorite uh, Plurex band?" Which is the old Dutch punk label, and he's like, "I prefer Jesus and the Gospel Fuckers." So you know, he's definitely like adjacent to that shit. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, e- either way, I I got him to um I got him to film like a promo and he sent it to Owen and Owen flipped out. And it was so <laughs> good, man. It was like it was so good. I'm I'm I, pissed I off Kyle Riley's never fucking offered to do my kid a promo. Well, I I don't know, they came over, you know. <sighs> Sorry, what the bud. fuck, man. I I just asked him point blank cuz yeah. I knew Owen would love it and that came from my fatherly guilt of being an internationally jet-setting rocker and my son being at home, like, doing school and stuff, I'm, like, hanging out with his heroes. You know who Roderick Strong really likes? Who's that? Danko Jones and Andrew WK. Uh, yeah, I believe that. I you got to meet Brookside, though. That's the king of punk. Oh, yeah? That's the king. <laughs> That's the king of punk wrestling. But I don't know. I don't know. I, maybe I met him. You gotta, have you listened to the Robbie Brookside episode of this podcast? I don't. I think I have. I don't remember. Dude saw the I clash. To a lot of pop- Dude saw the clash in '78. Yeah, you know that was his first show, George. The guy that I commute to work with, he saw the clash in '78. Really? Or I don't know if it was '78. You know, he saw the clash. He's like, he's probably about ten years older than me. He played in. A, there's a band from. He he played in a band that opened up for the Forgotten Rebels too. Whoa! Did they put a Fire record Fire. out? Uh, they were called The Difference. Do they have anything recorded? Dude, this could be like you could have just found like a kill by death monster. Right? I know. I gotta find. I I think they may I, they may have recorded. I don't know if they had a. I don't know if they had a single though. But yeah, either way, uh, he's my 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 uh, my uh, commute buddy. We, oh, we uh, carpool so together, and he's a he's been he's a. So was he into it like legit the whole? Yeah, way yeah he loves he loves. Yeah, no, he's he's definitely like a. So you he, know, he, had, he had punk. He had is. punk. I don't know if he would. What really? He might. Yeah, he likes like you know, likes the Clash. Suicide Open uh, for the Clash, right? Oh no, yeah, Suicide Open for the Clash, and there's the riot. I do feel like the suicide is a bit of a deep head thing that you can't really like. You know, like most people don't understand suicide. Yeah, I think that from that world, they would not put it together. Like I, like I obviously have or love. Yeah, you know, like it's just it's a different different world, different world, different thing. You know, it's rare that I do dabs on air. You know, hey, I feel comfortable with you. Feel comfortable, Damien. I have no problem with you doing that. Just know that, I, uh, you know, I'm not. I don't judge you. Do whatever you feel like. I worry that that the fact that I don't smoke weed is going to be perceived as some sort of judgment on people. No, I, I think it's just going to make it look like you're a narc. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not illegal anymore, though. I've got a funny story <laughs> off off. Oh, bear? Off air. Well, should we wrap up and go get tacos? Yeah, let's go get some tacos. We've been talking for a long time. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you for coming back, man. No problem. I think it's longer this time than the first time. I might have been, yeah. 
I, I, I mean, like, you know, I'm sure everybody's dwindled off. This might be one of our last... This might be one of the longest in-person ones I've done in a while since Steve McDonald. Is it weird having to get, like, staring directly into my fucking eyes? Right? No. No, it's weird that you didn't <laughs> smoke weed, though. Now I feel judged, but... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> uh, well, just speak into this uh, lapel, uh, <laughs> you know, flower that I have here. Where'd nice you get and... this concentrate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where do you get this stuff? Well, huh? thanks for coming back. We come back for a part three? <laughs> oh, yeah, sure, whatever, man. Actually, we got to do one day, you, me, and, and, and Loons, as you guys call it. I would them. love it. I would love a Loons uh, reminisce. Come on the Super Show. That's the I'll new, come on the Super Show. The super and Show, we'll, and we'll do a talk with. Uh, yeah, I need to have I need to have the Mod Father with me. You need to have the Mod Father. Yeah, we got a few names for him. We love him though. He's just he's just so wonderful. I I I, I can't say enough nice things about Chris O'Toole. He is a absolute compass for what I think is right about humanity. He's yeah. just very very good. Oops. He's definitely uh, he is definitely like. You know what I can set my watch by. You know as far as like oh yeah that kind of constant. The hates one thing golf, that holds true. Hates golf. Hates onions. Hates onions. Gutter vegetable. That's what he says. <laughs> he would he calls him a gutter vegetable. I remember when he would he, his thing to get when you were on the road. Like I mean with us when he was on the road too because he joined fucked up for that one tour. So mm. did you? Yeah. Former member of fucked up. Two two gigs. Magical concerts. Two gigs. Two magical concerts. Ex playing member. bass. Ex member. Standing in for Sandy. Standing in for Sandy. That's what Chris had to do too one time. Yeah. On a tour, but uh, his thing was his go-to was going to Subway, getting that garden patty thing with ketchup. Yeah. He's a psychopath. It's so he, weird. Uh, he has some weird eating. He has a, some weird eating. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, things. I, we, we toured with him a bunch and. Remember there was a lot of like Denny's veggie burger, nothing on it, sort of sort of vibe. Yeah, yeah. It's just like uh, yeah. I've got a kid like that. But now. you get him around, like get him to Red Bamboo in New York. You've oh, never yeah. seen someone wild. so much like the the content. I would go to Red Bamboo, not get anything, and watch him eat it, just to watch the <laughs> satisfaction on his face of eating like a vegan chicken wing or something like that. And it was uh, yeah, loves it. It's so good. It's like Chris gives you like. These moments where just like the he can't hold back the joy. Oh yeah. Like there's certain things like record wise, you know, food wise, where he just like fucking yes. Fuck. Like, oh Love stoked. that loons. Shoes too probably now. Behind too. the paywall? You've, you keeping them behind the paywall now? Keeping behind the well, we haven't even started the paywall. That's yet. A, he's a worthwhile thing to pay. I'm gonna say that right now. We're plugging your behind the paywall. Yeah. I'm saying that is worthwhile money well spent to have access to the King of Welland, Christopher O'Toole. I was like, I want to, I want to get Chris paid for this thing too. Now, so I want to. We're gonna do the Super Show still, so everyone gets a taste of Chris. You know, knows <laughs> what Chris is about. Awesome. But then I think uh, week in week out, it's just. Uh, and they're also now, you know, they're shorter now. Footnotes. They're gonna be. They're just like a little more bite-sized <laughs> nuggets. You know, we don't get bogged down as much in the intro, which is what happened a lot. That's what Super Show is now. It's just like one long. Footnotes intro with guests. Awesome. Yeah. But dude, this is right. awesome. Great to see you, Damien. Let's go eat some tacos. Thank you, George, for coming on the show. And George, hopefully we'll be back for a part three at some point down the line. He knows the door's always open. I'd love to have George come on the old uh, Turned Out of Punk footnote super show one time. Maybe we'll do that. Chris and I will hopefully be able to get George to come on that and we'll have a reunion, you know, Chris O'Toole and George back together again. It's 
be like, maybe we'll get Ian Keogh and have all the Bergenfield Four members back on. Oh, no. That's down the line. That's in the future. Speaking of future, next week on the show, we will be back to a normal schedule. I'm off tour, and then things are going to get really nuts. I'm going to have more details on how things are going to get really nuts. Believe me, there's going to be a turn at a punk deluge coming to you real soon of awesome episodes starting next week, actually, because, well, it's probably only be one episode coming out next week, but it's a, it's a doozy. John Darneal of... The Legends, the Legendary, or He is the Legendary, Mountain Goats. I guess Mountain Goats is a band, but like, you know, you know who John Darneal is. If you have been paying attention to music for the last few years, you probably know who this guy is. One of the great songwriters of this era, someone that, you know, has a key to my heart for a lot of reasons, but wrote a concept record about professional wrestling. And not only that, California territory professional wrestling that he grew up on. This is someone that is, my gosh, someone I've wanted to talk to for a very long time. Someone that my brother, show producer Tristan Abraham, has definitely been wanting to come on this show for a very long time. And next week, it finally happens. Don't worry, I don't talk to him about wrestling, but we do talk about all sorts of other awesome stuff. This is a fun fun conversation with a a fellow uh, music parent, too. So we're getting all that stuff. You'll hear it all next week. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please find me on various forms of social media, at Left for Damien. Find the show at Turned Out a Punk on Instagram, and it's on Facebook, too. I'm not on Facebook, but the show's on Facebook. And also, follow at The Wrestlers for more information about that TV show and more details about all that good stuff. And speaking of good stuff, next week on the show, we'll be having some more details about the the marathon of Turn It a Punk content that's going to be coming up in a few weeks. We're going to have a week where I'm just going to I'm going to blow it up around here at Turn It a Punk. We're going to put out a lot of cool stuff in one week just because why not? It, it, it's limitless. This is our oyster. We get to play with it and get to have fun with this thing. Shout out to everyone that's contributed to the Patreon. A lot more stuff's going up on that thing this week as well. More information about that Patreon next week. Anyone that's signed up early for this thing now, I, I, I owe you. I love you. We will. Don't worry. I'm going to make you. I'm going to make it good for you. I promise you. I promise you. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please go out there and sign your organ donor cards. Tell all your friends about this podcast. And uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, go there and make your own culture. I'll see you next week. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.